Deadly Grounds Coffee knows how important your coffee is to you. Every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks too, and deadly serious about our brew. Just one sip and you'll know why we say, once you go deadly, you don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So when you're ready to get a little deadly, get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, it's scary. And welcome once again to another episode of the Retro Redoctopus Cephala Podcast, the only show that celebrates all the things that made growing up awesome. We are part of the Dorkening and Inebriate Podcast Networks, and as always, we are brought to you by Deadly Grounds Coffee, coffee to die for. And die for it, you might indeed on this episode. I am your host, 8-Bit Alchemy, and with me, as always, are my semi-cursed cohorts, Parasite Steve. I'm here. You are, and Nintendo 25 Hey, listen, I don't know about this. I think they want us for dinner tonight. Who's they? I'm not a, I'm not a fan of this. I don't uh, know who I, they are. I, I'm not on the they. menu. Are we for dinner, or are like, are we? Yeah, are we on the menu, or is it like a are cookbook <laughs> scenario where they're just trying to feed us? I think they're we being feed us raw, eated, oh. or are are they feeding us? Like they're we're having like, us for we're dinner. Like, we're like the sushi, the human sushis. You know, like oh, we should mm. have our neighbors over for dinner. You know, like it'd be like, nice I, to meet no, them. Like, you know, like actually devour them. Oh, like um num num. You know, I think <laughs> num, uh, num, num. the best way to have sushi is uh, is to have it raw. I don't think there's any way uh, to make it better than the raw. That's the best way to have, you know, wrestling. WWF. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's what I've heard. That's I what uh, that. that's what our buddy George O'Connor has told us. Oh yeah, yeah. You get no backlash. Uh, no, I'm, just, I'm actually lying. George O'Connor mm. watching all the current WWF, very current now wrestling. Uh, anyway, <laughs> hey, thanks for being here, guys. And yeah. Thanks for tuning in, Retroids. We are going to be talking about a sinister and and spooky and maybe kind of bullshit, but also not not for nothing, still terrible um, <laughs> phenomenon of cursed movies yes. and urban legends of cinema here today uh, in order to kick off October, the month of the spookiness. Yes. We got a nice uh, little lead into the spooky season with James yeah. Lamond on that last brig. Yes, which was pretty the last cool. We, uh, was... we got to talk to horror director yep. uh, James Lamond, who's Kickstarter is it's actually I think an Indiegogo for Abigail. His new movie is actually out now, so that's pretty mm-hmm. cool. Yes, but Indiegogo now, back it, and, and full, we are just I backed it. Oh hell nice. yeah! Oh nice. So you, you hear that? He backed it like he like he macked it. Yeah, and and now we're we're just all in that, all deep in that spooky season now. Shade, back that film up. Damn right. 
uh yeah so we're yeah. you know just loving the spooky times and here we are gonna gonna keep on trucking forward so <laughs> the idea of this episode is to go back and look at some movies that have a bit of a notorious uh you know aftermath of yeah. you know ill ill uh events and and misgivings and things that yeah. befell naughty reputation yeah, that whether may it was or may not be earned in the movie or cases. making the movie or whatever, you know, it's it's stuff going on around the people who made these movies, and you know, spawns the BuzzFeed article: Is this movie cursed? The top twenty-five most cursed movies of all time. Cursed. Please click through this slideshow so we get twenty-five clicks per viewer. You know that kind of thing. Yeah, uh, and I mean, I, I I feel like you know some of it's le- you know legitimately freaky, uh, some of it's just probably unlucky, but uh, you know whatever. We're here to talk Co- about all of it. Coincidental, perhaps. Yeah, but we'll let dinkle. you be the judge. We'll let yeah. you be the judge of that. You, the yeah. listener. You, the retroid. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know what? You judge it, and and yeah. and, and 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 email us and, and yeah. tell us about it. Tell us what or you just, think it is. Just think with your brains and mm. like send us brainwaves like Professor X would do. Yeah, like and we'll see if we can pick it up. Yeah, like yeah, that sound. That's the sound. It's, that's the sound it's gonna make when you. <laughs> or do you it. could do the the sound effect from Pokemon Blue of like Psybeam, which I can't replicate for you. But just look up the YouTube video sound effect of Psybeam from Pokemon Blue. It will it will literally scramble your mind. It's not just um, one of the many. It's not one of those. No, it's. Oh, Is it like gonna make bro- go- 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 No, it's it's more like this. It's like. It's like it's that really sounds metal as fuck. Yeah, it's fucking nuts, man. It's like Mewtwo shows up in in the unknown dungeon and just smacks you with a side wave. And honestly, like <laughs> I was just, fucking scared. He just rolls up and s- s- with his sock full of quarters, and it says side beam on the side of it. And just oh yeah! Slaps you with is, is it, is it, it Poseidon? Poseidon. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And then, mm-hmm. and then, let it be known that they changed the sound effect for the move for every single game afterward because I think it was just like honestly problematic. I think I think it was like a problem for people. Mm. Uh, you know, it's a crazy sound effect. Go listen to it. Um, but yeah. So tell us your feedback. Telepath telepathically <laughs> was what I was just going to say. Use your Gary Sinesis. <laughs> Use your telepathicness. And tell us, uh, or just email us, because that's probably mm-hmm. more effective. But um, uh, uh, I think I'm just going to get started here. Yeah. So um, we we have right. only only two picks each this episode. So if we if we so we're allowing ourselves the opportunity to talk too much. Yes. Like for we, each one, basically. Right. Exactly. And I mean, you know, some of these have a little bit more of a preamble. Some have, you know, yeah. more facts than others. And, you know, we're going to we're going to ponder some shit in the middle like we do. Make yeah. a question sandwich. Uh, mm, so good. A yeah. A shabibin. A shabibin. Take a big shabibin bite out of that. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, we're, we're going to probably have this be a three and a half hour episode. So, you know, Buckle up. You, the audience, know more than we know right now because you've already yeah. seen the MP3. But we did reel ourselves in with just the two picks, so that's we did. That, that was smart. That, that's I think something. that was smart. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, we we're all you know. Call us all Tommy two picks, right? You know, for today's episode. 
Um, okay, so I'll, you should me, be, you should be Timmy two picks. I'll, I can be Timmy two picks, and mm-hmm. um, and I'll put one of my two picks first right here. Okay, so I'm gonna talk to you all about the movie The Omen, uh, and I'm gonna just uh, kind of start with the the tagline: "You have been warned. If something frightening happens to you today, think about it. It may be." the omen which is a goddamn horrible phrase think about it like if something frightening happens to you just have yourself one think about it it might be the like man they were really friggin' grasping uh so the omen is a 1976 supernatural horror film directed by richard donner not of the donner party fame unfortunately uh and written by david seltzer Donner would go on to direct films such as Superman, The Goonies, Lady Hawk, The Lethal Weapons, and Scrooged. Yeah, I've never heard of any of this. No, yeah, I know, right? Yeah, he's a pretty indie filmmaker. Um, His fourth film, however, The Omen, is known to be a classic horror film with a very dark and storied air of evil and malevolence that surrounds the the people involved. Now, I have watched this movie. It is a very goddamn long movie. Uh, I think it's just slow the entire time. I feel like I liked the first half better than the second half, but that's because I wasn't able to be bored quite yet in the first half. You it's just there. It so god. It's so long. Like I really thought it was almost over by the time I was starting what's to get the, bored. Really? And then there's like, another hour and a half. Time? I think it's like two and a half hours. It's like, it's like two plus for sure. Like maybe two wow. hours and 15. It's a long damn movie. It's not that long. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, for for you how know what? slow it's, it is the whole longer. fucking time? So it's Dude. funny. It's under two hours, so it's really not a long movie at all. It's just it feels that way. Oh, So that's interesting. God. So to you, okay, it so felt that, like that, it was six hours adds, long, but it was actually that really only adds one to the, hour. Mm-hmm. That adds to the one weirdness and the creepiness of it. Yeah, yeah the, it felt the like... One, yeah, the one in 1976 is like an hour and 51 minutes, and then there's another one. If I can fucking get to it. Uh, came out later like a yeah i haven't seen the remake yeah i've Um, never seen the remake either but yeah the night the 1976 version that one's even shorter that one's like shorter by nine minutes but (laughs) well well, that that one might be better then because i feel like this movie (laughs) needed less um anyway the nine minute less (laughs) this is not an op-ed i'm not here to give you my full opinion on this movie but the film stars gregory peck lee remick david warner Harvey Spencer, Stevens, Billy Whitelaw, Patrick Trotton, Trufton. I don't know ever. The 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 com- combination of letters O U G H always throws me. Is it Trufton? Is it Trout? No, it's actually Trouton? pronounced like a uh, Psybeam from. Uh, Is it? Yeah, that, that's it. Oh, that's yep. it. Patrick yep. banana, banana, banana. Uh, Martin Benson and Leo McKern. The plot of the movie follows a young boy, Damien Thorne, who was replaced at birth by his father, unbeknownst, unbeknownst, one of my favorite words, uh, to his wife, after their actual son died shortly after birth. A series of mysterious events and horrible deaths occur surrounding the family as Damien grows up. They come to learn that Damien is, in fact, the Antichrist. Oops. Wouldn't you know it as prophesied in the Bible? Uh, so, you know, this movie is kind of about horrible events that happen to this family. Uh, and that honestly, that whole thing just kind of stretched beyond the silver screen because there's a lot of horrible events that happened and, and death surrounding the people that were making this movie. 
after you know during and afterward um so i'm gonna kind of run through before these before and aft mm, b <laughs> and a mm, yes mm. Mm. um but yeah so i want to go through these rapid fire style and if you Ooh, watch out want to interject dodge just just something just go for it uh, okay. So, uh, just a month before filming was to start, lead actor Gregory Peck's son committed suicide, mm. which is Oof. awful. Um, as soon as uh, Gregory Peck flew to the set to begin shooting, uh, Peck's plane was struck by lightning. Uh, and then the executive producer, Mark Newfield's plane, was also struck by lightning on his way to the same location, not the same plane. Um, the hotel that producer Mark Newfield and his wife were staying at then got bombed by the Irish Republican Army. What? <laughs> uh, at one point, the crew hired a small plane to do some aerial photography, but it was given to another client at the last minute. And that photography plane crashed on takeoff and everyone on board died. Wow. Oh which which like didn't directly involved the movie but it almost did it was almost the plane that they used um then while filming a sequence of the movie in the zoo uh damien who was played by harvey spencer stevens had upset the baboons in the in the zoo so much that they started to just go crazy and an animal wrangler uh was called in to help and calm down the animals but the um the day afterward he was mauled and killed by a tiger what Damn. yeah oh my god and like all of these are completely corroborated like these all didn't mm. happen you know what I, you're i can't what, believe what's up the, to... the two planes getting struck by lightning yeah so the it's, odds of that it's really fucking crazy um you know so i mean really i'd wager we... a guess to say small yeah right? i mean you know maybe lightning strikes twice but it usually does right and it's certainly not you know two planes related two planes i don't of... know yeah, like two people from the same same movie. like you know small circle of, of movie people. That yeah, got struck by lightning. Like that's insane. Yeah, uh, and then this next part is really really crazy. I I wish I could co- like a hundred percent confirm these facts better, um, but the way it goes is that special effects supervisor John Richardson designed a sequence in the Omen in which a character is decapitated by a sheet of glass. Uh, while working on his next movie in the Netherlands, Richardson and his assistant were involved in a car accident, and his assistant was decapitated. Jesus. And apparently, it goes that this car accident happened in the Netherlands near a street sign for the town of Omen, O-M-M-E-N, which was 66.6 kilometers away. I mean, I, I don't want to corroborate that. I just want to, I, I want to believe that that's a thing. I just, I always wonder is, is the best medicine here for me? Yeah. That's, yeah. Just, yeah. I don't know. I mean, o- Omen Netherlands is a real place and I don't know, you know, obviously they, they, you know, are aware of the title it might be a road sign that says 66.6. Cause you're like Teehee the devil. But yeah, like this, this accident supposedly happened there. Um, so this is definitely one of the the biggest examples of a movie that started to kind of generate buzz about: is it cursed? Is there mm. actually a curse? Was the subject matter of a child being the Antichrist too close to some 
supernatural force and you know actually pissed something off uh you know there's there's no way to know for sure but it's definitely more i i feel like more than just a a, a string of horrible coincidences i, I don't know i mean it, it it could just be it could but it's crazy it's crazy yeah. it's so much horrible shit um yeah. and and you know so many you know connections to the film but there for really sure. is no way to know for sure it's just whatever yeah. you believe and you know, I mean, I, I, that's the case for all the movies we picked tonight. You know, we have six movies that are all, you know, like they fit the theme. And, you know, it's really like, yep. well, these things happened. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think it, it you know, it, it goes back to the idea of what is a curse, you know, like mm-hmm. if you think of like, oh, you know, people on, you know, unlocking a mummy's tomb and digging it up and, and then, oh, the, the curse of the mummy and people start dying and all this kind of stuff, like this idea of like just bad things happen to people involved. Yep. And well, you're like, well, I mean, bad things happen all the time, but you know, if there's a unifying thing that connects those people, then it starts to feel like, Oh, it, it must be the unifying things fault. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so it, it is, it is all tragic, but it is also, you know, very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But that's that's a good one. I mean, I I I've I've seen The Omen, but it's been a really long time and I um I don't remember feeling like it was that great. Like I remember being kind of bored too. So it, it's clearly just a really slow burn, but it is considered a horror classic, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. so it was 76 76 and i mean it really it it does have a very unsettling atmosphere you know it's like not necessarily a ton is happening it's just very like creepy and and you know just the the quality of the movie too being from the 70s lends it something Mm -hmm. extra you know because the the film is really you know like a very distinct texture and it just it has that element like if this exact movie the remake of it i'm sure has none of you know that same kind of texture that same feel like Mm -hmm. certain something about 70s horror really is like extra you know i mean i feel like it really has like another level of of creepiness to it um but you know that's just my thought but uh anyway let's uh let's trudge right along into our next creepy cursed film uh with parasite steve's first pick i'm sorry i mean um Tommy two picks the first. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yes. Um, <clears throat> I appreciate you uh, using my full name for the podcast because we are so professional. <laughs> You're welcome. So that's really important. That's yes, uh, it is. That's pretty good. Yep, yep. So um, first of all, bear with my voice. Uh, my voice is terrible tonight. Um, you know, just saying I had COVID a few weeks ago and uh, <clears throat> it took, it took me about a week to get through it, but um I did and it's fine and I'm fine, but man, I just cannot shake this like cough, um, loose stuff in my, uh, my lungs. So, uh, just apologizing up front. Um, but my first pick of the night. So we're going from 76 to 1982, another very famous, famously, um acclaimed and also cursed allegedly film that is the movie poltergeist oh yeah poltergeist um was co-written by steven spielberg a little background 
And uh, originally it was going to be called Night Skies. And it was going to be, it was being developed as a sequel to Close Encounters of the Third Kind. But it turned out that the studio would not let Steven Spielberg direct this movie because he was prepping to do E.T. And he wasn't allowed to do two things at once. I don't know why. Maybe it's because they wanted people to concentrate on one thing and create quality things. I don't know. But there was a clause in his Universal Studios contract that prevented it. Um, So he ended up um, deciding on Toby Hooper as the director. And Toby Hooper uh, famously directed the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre and also Salem's Lot, the uh, TV miniseries, Salem's Lot from the 70s. Um, and so, so Toby Hooper was brought on as the director and it it ended up evolving, uh, and not being a sequel to Close Encounters at all. And it's more of a straight up horror film with ghosts. And, um, there is some, uh, like legendary, um, levels of questioning whether or not like Toby Hooper really directed it because Steven Spielberg was supposedly always on set anyway. And so a lot of people said over the years that like Toby Hooper was just like hired to like allow, like be a person that they could say directed it. Okay. So to get around the clause in in Spielberg's contract, but uh, both the two of them and other people on set have, have admitted that Spielberg did actually a lot of the directing, but it's like a, there is often a second unit director and stuff like that. He, I, it sounds to me like he probably did too much, but Toby Hooper says he, he absolutely feels that it's his movie and he's, you know, he was the director. Um, so I don't know. It's just kind of weird, but yeah, uh, that's that's not necessarily the uh, the cursed stuff, obviously. So this movie stars Craig T. Nelson uh, as Steve Freeling, the main protagonist. Um, His wife, Diane, was played by Jo Beth Williams. And their three children are Dana, played by Dominic, Dominique Dunn, Robbie, who's played by Oliver Robbins and Carol Ann. Oh, Carol Ann. Oh, sweet Carol Ann. Played by Heather O'Rourke. Um, and the movie is basically, I mean, I think probably most people listening to this podcast have seen it, but essentially it's its uh, about uh, kind of a wealthy-ish couple. He's a developer, um, and they're moving to this big development that he his company is working on, that he's working on. And um, they get this big new house, and at first everything's great, and then they start to experience weird supernatural things and at first they're kind of just innocent and benign and they're just like oh a door shut or you know oh the ghost just wanted me to know it's here and you know it's not a big deal and then it starts to get more and more violent and some like like the toys start to come alive and become antagonistic there's a tree scene i was very scared of the tree Uh, The tree actually like comes alive and reaches in through the kid's bedroom and rips them out of bed and pulls them out. I was really scared of that tree. There's also, I think the reason why uh, a lot of people are afraid of clowns is probably poltergeist because 
Uh, there is a very infamous clown doll that comes alive and attacks the uh, the, the middle kid, the son. And that actually is one of the cursed um, stories that I will mention later. The clown comes back, but I do think it's uh, it's interesting how like everybody's afraid of clowns now. But like I never heard of anybody being afraid of clowns when I was a kid. Like it wasn't wasn't like a common thing. Wasn't that common? Like everybody in the entire world is suddenly afraid of clowns, and like every single kid is afraid of clowns. And I just think that like you know things just proliferate. Yeah, totally. Weird, you know, it's like, oh yeah, clowns are scary. That's what everybody says. Like, oh no, I'm afraid of clowns. I don't know. It's just weird. But you know, the clown in the scene is scary. It's a scary scene. But um, I'm also not afraid of trees permanently either. But um, you know, it was a, it was a pretty effective couple of scenes. Um, but uh, basically, what ends up happening that becomes the the main thing that they have to try to solve is the uh, the youngest girl, Carol Ann. Carol Ann. Um, she's obviously she's she's the poster girl for the series i mean she she is in all three and she's the one that turns from the static tv she's just watching snow she turns around yep. and she's like they're here and then in the yep. other ones she's like they're back but um you know uh she just inexplicably goes missing and they are going out of their minds they're like where did she go how could she have gone where did did she run away like where is she she's just gone and what becomes apparent because you can she can kind of communicate through the tv when it's on static is that she's somehow still in the house but like slightly out of phase or something so it's very scary because it's like oh my god what how how do you save this child she's yeah. still here and we can feel we can sense her presence we can tell she's still here but and you know, I think there's one or two scenes where they hear her, but um, she's just what what you like you explain it like she's just somehow out of phase. I don't know, very weird. So she um, there's also a Twilight Zone episode, old Twilight Zone episode, very similar in plot called Little Girl Lost. So this is a definitely a little girl lost type uh, type of scenario. But um, anyway, so that's that's kind of it. And the family has to, you know, get a medium and they um, try to connect with this, you know, the spirit. I mean, she's not really dead. It's like, where is she? She's in the world of ghosts. Like, what is you know, what's the deal? Right. Uh, yeah. And try to get her back. Um, so, um, you know, no, it's a it's a definitely a cool movie. Um, one of Spielberg's, you know, just scarier films. Um, <clears throat> but there are a lot of bad things that happened surrounding the production of this movie. Um, some bad things happened to the cast members for sure. And uh, there are some near fatal accidents and some actual deaths. One very famous one. Um, but it all stems from this thing is this, this is the inciting incident that most people tended to blame for why they felt the production might be cursed. See, in other other movies, you don't know. It's like there's no specific reason why, you know, why was the omen cursed? You know, like, but you you theorized, well, maybe it was just too close to, you know, it pissed off the spirits just because it was right. dealing with the Antichrist or something. But there's no like inciting incident. But but in the case of of Poltergeist, um, what people point to is there is a scene 
where <clears throat> stuff is just hitting the fan left and right. And um, the lady who plays the mom, uh, Joe Beth Williams, she is like running scared and bad stuff's happening. And she like runs out of the house and um, outside because they moved into this like complex or whatever. I mean, it's a house, but it's still being finished. The This is one of the first units that's been done. And, um, and so the yard isn't completed yet. And uh, <clears throat> they, uh, they have a pool. There's a, a hole dug in the yard for the pool. And um, there's no water in it yet. But, uh, and there's no grass or anything. It's just a mess out, out back. And so she's running, but it's raining. So there is some water in the pool. It's just muddy, gross water. It's literally just a hole, a huge rectangular shaped hole in the, in the mud, in the dirt. And so she she's running scared away from the bad stuff in the house and she runs out and she trips and falls into the pool and she's in the pool and she, it's all just muddy water and stuff at first and she gets up and then she like comes up for air and then skeletons start to rise up to the surface all around her and suddenly she's surrounded by skeletons and um, the actress has been interviewed about this plenty of times. And she says that um, she had no idea at the time, but um, allegedly they were real skeletons because they were supposedly uh, purchased by some, I don't know, some scientific research lab or facility, or I don't know. I couldn't find more information. Um, but this is the urban legend. This is the, the supposed story of it, uh, that they were purchased for authenticity. And uh, Joe Beth Williams has said many times in interviews over the years that they were, she was told they were real after the fact. And That's um, so friggin' screwed. Yeah. It's really and, freaking creepy. <clears throat> and so people say, well, oh, well, well, that's why all this bad stuff happened is because you used real human skeletons in the, in the production and you, you just used them like props. Um, and it's interesting because as anybody who's seen the movie knows the big um, inciting incident of why there's a poltergeist is the, the twist that's revealed at the end is uh, they cut corners while making this upscale uh, building complex. And uh, they, they built it on an old Indian burial ground but of they, course. They moved they moved they moved the headstones, but they didn't bother to move the bodies. So that is uh what's revealed in the movie famously. And uh so it's kind of interesting that it sort of mirrors that also because you're like, well, you used real human remains here. Um but yeah, so the skeleton, the pool pool of skeletons is the uh is what catches the blame for all the stuff I'm I'm gonna go into. Um, wow. so we first have the, uh, the, let's start with the near fatal accidents. Um, so we have a couple of these, uh, actor Oliver Robbins, who played the middle child, Robbie. Um, there's that scene I mentioned where he's getting attacked by the clown doll. And in that scene, the clown doll, it's arms like reach out and it's just a puppet. It's not a person in a costume. Um, is supposed to strangle the kid. And it was an animatronic puppet clown. Um, 
so this is from an interview that the actor who played Robbie, uh, Oliver Robbins, he said this uh, years later. He was talking about it. He says the way, so he got he got hurt. I guess I should say he got really badly hurt um, by the clown. So he says the way they shot the sequence, they didn't really have the special effects in the way that they do today. So the clown doll had this extended arm thing and they actually had me act backwards in a tight confined space underneath the bed. So he had like gone to hide underneath the bed and then the clown doll like shows up under there too and like attacks him under the bed. Um, it, uh, so it was then apparently that the doll's arms reach out and start to strangle him. And he goes on to say, the contraption caught around my neck. Steven, obviously Spielberg, somehow saw this uh, probably in the video he was watching or whatever, the video assist deck. And he like ran out and supposedly pulled him out from under the bed and away from the clown. And this is quoted from the actor. He says, who knows what might've happened otherwise. It all happened very fast. Maybe I wouldn't be here today. Crazy. Yeah. That's insane. Like I, that must've been really traumatizing. Yeah. At least I would think so. Oh my God. I mean, you're combining horribly scary things, right? You're like, I'm getting attacked by this evil, scary clown monster, whatever. And you're under a bed. So you're confined. It's like claustrophobia. Yeah. And like, oh my God. I, yeah. I mean, he was under there choking. He thinks to death, maybe to death. And nobody, right. nobody even thought anything was wrong because he was just under the bed and you couldn't really see him. And somehow, heroic Steven Spielberg somehow noticed something was wrong and pulled the kid out. Where'd it go, Steven? Right? You're welcome. Damn. But... Your name is not <clears throat> Steven. Oh. It's time. Uh, well, oh no, it's parasite Steven usually though. Yes, well you're You're usually. Right. Yeah, no, no. Tim Tommy Two Picks, <laughs> number one. The uh, first. A. Um, all right. So then we have the next one is actor Richard Lawson, um, who just random fun fact is Beyonce's stepdad in real life. Um he played okay. the character. <laughs> He played the character Brandon. Ryan, <laughs> Richard Lawson. He is the uh, the stepdad to the B, uh, who played he played Ryan because his character and and he was okay. This is this is so bizarre. So in 1992, granted, this did not happen around the time of filming. So a lot of the stuff, I think that that's connected with these movies that we're talking about tonight do did happen um around the time that the movie was being filmed and or released but sometimes like i don't know people stretch a little too far and this this is on the list and i will say it it is a crazy thing but it happened like you know 10 years later um but oh but oh it's the curse the curse just doesn't let go right no. so anyway he was in a plane crash in 1992, they claimed the lives of 27 of the 51 passengers on board. Jeez. Okay. Damn. Now, the insane part. 
was that somebody, so he was not supposed, he had a coach ticket and somebody in first class recognized him and was like, oh my God, you're actor Richard Lewis or no, sorry. That's, that's the Boku guy. That's a different Richard, Richard Lawson. He just wanted a Boku. Um, Richard Lawson, the guy's like, you're Richard Lawson. And the guy's like, yeah. And he's like, oh, well, you know, can I have your autograph? And Richard Lawson's like, sure, man, here you go. And then the guy was so happy that he's like, you know what, man, let's switch seats because, because I'm just so happy to meet you. You can have my first class seat. So allegedly Richard Lawson, not Richard Lewis, switched seats with this man and the guy who sat in his original seat died he was one of the 27 people who died oh so the only thing that saved him was this random stranger who is like hey you're famous have my seat now in exchange for an autograph i won't be able to enjoy for very long (laughs) oh my gosh that's so friggin' crazy what what are the odds of that I mean, it's pretty weird. It is a pretty weird thing. I mean, like I said, it happened like 10 years after the movie came out. Yeah. But, um, yeah. you know, it's it's still pretty weird. Okay, <clears throat> on to the tragic deaths. Here we go. So Dominique Dunn, these are both terrible. Um, nothing funny here. Uh, Dominique Dunn, who, play, who, who portrayed Dana, who's the oldest of the Freeling children, um, she was strangled to death by her ex-boyfriend in the driveway of her home in 1982. Uh, literally the year it came out um, and she, she died in the hospital five days later. She was only 22. Wow. That's crazy. So that is terrible. Yeah. Um, uh, RIP Dominique Dunn. Um, also uh, the last, saved for last, of course, is the one that everybody knows, uh, but you might not know all the details. Uh, so in 1988, um, Heather or Heather O'Rourke, who played sweet, sweet Carol Ann, uh, succumbed to cardiac arrest, which was brought on by septic shock from a congenital bowel obstruction. That sounds like a huge problem, right? She, um, Holy crap. Yeah. She was uh, she was only 12. So she had actually completed filming on the third installment of the Poltergeist franchise um, just a few months before her unexpected death, but the film hadn't been released yet. So she was in, I guess, all three. You know, I haven't seen the sequels. I've never seen the sequels to The Omen either. Uh, I don't know. I'm bad with horror sequels. But um, yeah, I, I I've never actually seen them. But the um, she at least I think she's in all three. But she's at least in the third one as well as the first. Yeah, um, yeah. But so kind of crazy. I mean, she was. So I remember that happening, and I remember. I don't know if I had seen Poltergeist yet, but I was aware of it, and I knew the the little blonde girl in front of the TV saying they're here. Like that was, yeah. that was in the public 
zeitgeist. I don't know. That was just like, I was aware of that for sure. And I remember when this happened, you know, this was, you know, probably one of the very first times I ever was probably aware of a famous person dying that I was like kind of shook by. And it was probably because it was just such a little girl. Cause like I said, yeah. it's not like I was a fan, but I was very aware of that little girl. And, um, it's, it's just like, what do you mean? She, what do you mean? She died. Like, you know, I was, um, so it was this 88. So I was nine. <clears throat> and, uh, so she felt like she was, you know, about my age and she was, she, she was dead. very sad. So anyway, um, that is poltergeist. Um, hopefully some of that was, was okay. unknown to you guys and hopefully interesting. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was pretty fun researching this. I, I was aware of it as being a supposed cursed film, but, um, I did definitely did not all, know all of that. That's for sure. So, um, it was fun doing research actually for this episode. That was really cool. Yeah. But, I mean, as much as like, you know, the, the subject matter is, is dark and macabre, you know, it's, it is interesting to go back and look through all these different events and goings on. And it's, you know, I guess, uh, in some way similar to why people are, you know, so into, uh, true crime and stuff. This is a similar thing of like actually learning of these real, you know, factual, but horrible events that happened and, you know, surrounding movies, something that we consider to be something that is make believe and safe and there's no danger. Um, and, and you're kind of like learning all these weird, you know, dark aspects of it. It's, it's very mm -hmm. interesting. Uh, and you know, Hey, kind of why I wanted to do this episode. So awesome. Thanks. Mm. Uh, thanks, Tommy. Tommy two picks number one. Uh, we are going to move on to <laughs> Problem, Tommy two picks. Uh oh, uh oh, I'm not sure what just happened there, but He's we'll keep going. Sixties like robot, but broken up. Sixties broken up robot. It's okay. Uh, Tommy two picks the second. However, uh, you, my friend, are up next. What do you got? Well, I have the Twilight Zone the movie, which also ironically came out in 1982 oh spooky. How about that it's not like we're not, we're not like traveling that much further back in time we were staying the same year <laughs> i mean at least it's further back than today it's that's 40 true years ago. by 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 almost 30 years no it is 30 years yes it's no, 40, 40 years 40 years i can't do basic math 40 <laughs> math is heard it is it's heard so twilight zone the movie came out in 1982. It's an American science fiction horror anthology film produced by Steven Spielberg. Again, you know Steven Spielberg. You know, he's very famous mm -hmm. for directing famous. things. Apparently very so cursed. His name's going to pop up like every five minutes throughout this episode. So, so get ready. Um, so, so get ready. So it was produced by Steven, Steven Spielberg ready. and John Landis based on Rod Serling's 1959-1964 television series of same name. But the film features yes. four stories directed by Landis, Spielberg, Joe Dante, and George Miller. Landis' Landis's, uh, segment is an original story created for the film, while the segment, segments by Spielberg, Dante, and Miller are remakes of episodes from the original series. The film's cast included uh, Dan Aykroyd, uh, Albert Brooks, Scatman Crothers, John Lithrow, Vic Morrow, and Catherine 
uh, Quinlan, the original series cast members, Burgess, 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 oh, okay, it's Burgess, 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 yes. Burgess. he's great, Burgess he's great, yep. Patricia Barry, Peter Brocco, Murray Math Matheson, am I pronouncing that right? Matheson. Matt Matheson, okay. Kevin McCarthy, Bill Mummy, uh, you know, we all know him from uh, oh. Lost in Space. And uh, and he was also uh, in a famous episode of the Twilight Zone as well. Yep. Billy Mumy. Billy Mumy. And uh, William Shatner appeared in the film with Meredith assuming Serling's mm. role as a narrator. So what I'm going to be talking about is uh, the helicopter incident. Mm. Uh, which is pretty gruesome and kind of disturbing. Um, so Vic Morrow and two child actors, Renee Shin Chen, and uh, I can't pronounce her name. I want to say Micah Din Lee. Micah Din Lee were killed in an accident involving a helicopter during during filming on the California set of Twilight Zone movie. Morrow, age fifty three, and the children, ages six and seven, were shooting a Vietnam War battle scene in which they were supposed to be running from a pursuing helicopter. Special effects explosion on sets uh, caused the pilot to uh, to fly low and uh, kind of like lost control and crashed into the three victims. Uh, one of the uh, helicopter blades uh, decapitated. Uh, I, I think it was uh, uh, what's his name, um, Morrow. He got decapitated, and the the two children got crushed by the helicopter. And and holy what's crap. really uh, what's really messed up is that the kids were hired illegally for this one scene because. At the time, I think, I don't know if it's still true today, um, child actors are not supposed to work after a certain time unless there is a, a, a guardian or a teacher there. So I don't know if they were there or not. Um, and they shot the film anyways. And and then this happened. And then, and then this happened. Like three oh, hours. And there was no, no safety precautions or anything so it's like no they used a real helicopter and uh actually flying and explosions happened and caused the helicopter to crash and it's just really mm. really fucking sad you know because you know yeah. two kids two, yeah, two young kids sure. right. were you know killed for no reason and uh really sad yeah <clears throat> so uh, the director, John Landis, and four other men working on the film, including the special effects coordinator and the helicopter pilot, were charged with involuntary manslaughter. According to a 1987 right. New York Times report, it was the first time a film director faced criminal charges for events that occurred while making a movie. During the subsequent trial, the defense maintained the crash was an accident that could not have been predicted while the prosecution claimed Landis and his crew had been reckless and violated laws regarding child actors, including regulations about their working conditions and hours. 
Following the emotional 10-month trial, a jury acquitted all five defendants in 1987. The families of the three victims filed lawsuits against Landis, Warner Brothers, and Twilight Zone co-creator and producer Steven Spielberg that were, that were settled for undisclosed amounts. God, I mean, it's it's really nuts, like, how many times, you know, just, just seeing Steven Spielberg's name come up a few different times. Like, gotta imagine, like, that, that was a shitty year to be Steven Spielberg. Like, after yeah, Poltergeist and, and Twilight Zone, both in the same... I don't know, obviously, they weren't filmed that year, but, man, that is just, yeah. like so awful yeah holy yeah. crap yep oh, and just Absolutely yeah terrible. yeah really tragic i have never seen twilights on the movie though i would love to just being a, a casual fan of the show um yeah. i kind of just always forget it's a thing like i never ever remember that there's a movie um but yeah it's really interesting i, I definitely want to yeah. see it it's it's definitely good you know um i mean the you know the john lithgow um a sequence is the nightmare at 20,000 feet, which is, you know, the mm-hmm. one of the two William Shatner, the more yep. famous of the two William Shatner appearances. And uh, it's, it's just like, it proves that the concept of the original sketch was as good as it is. Um, and I do believe that is a Richard Matheson one. Mm-hmm. He, he wrote yep. so many, but I believe he wrote that one. And um you know the 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 downfall to that original is that uh, a Shatner's a little little hammy and not really that good in it, um, right. and b the the creature because of course it's you know he's up on a plane everybody knows this one he's up in the plane and he looks out the window and he's scared of flying anyway and he's freaking out anyway and he looks mm-hmm. out and he sees already there's a, there's a monster out on the wing that is ripping apart the engine. Right. And he is so much more afraid now. And he just <laughs> freaks out and everybody looks outside and they don't see anything. They're like, sir, sir, everything's fine. There's nothing out there. And of course he looks again when no one's around and he sees it again. And he just, it just keep, keeps getting worse and worse and worse. Um, this one is just so good. Uh, yeah, Lithgow I have is, seen the Lithgow version. Oh my that God. That is very good. I mean, he he's so good. He's so incredibly like he is acting his balls off in this. Yeah, no, he's freaking I mean, out and it's really uh, good. absolutely just freaking out. And uh and the creature looks awesome. You know, it, yep. it's not this goofy guy in a teddy bear suit. Like it's it's like a scary gremlin like puppet and it's mm-hmm. really cool. Um I I don't know. It's a, it's it's worth the price of admission, I think. But the um the uh the the remake of the Billy Mumi one is also great um and that one is uh the name is escaping me but it's it's basically the boy has superpowers and he's got like all these people hostage he just takes people and uh forces them to be his quote-unquote family and forces them to be happy all the time and only think good thoughts and if they don't then he'll do really terrible things because this kid has like godlike powers he can just affect reality in any way and do anything that he thinks of can be, can become real. So really everybody's really, really just scared and they're all, they're all trapped. And what happens is this new woman meets the kid and comes home 
and and she believes his side of the story for most of it which is he's like oh it's my family they're all so happy everything's great here this is a great place to live you should never leave and and slowly she realizes you know things aren't quite what they seem and um but that that's another great uh a redo honestly like there's there's some good ones it's 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 a cool flick for sure and dan nice. Aykroyd is is like the um you know in anthology films there's often like the in-between story that like connects everything that you know you go back to between the stories and it starts it yep. off and ends it um dan Aykroyd's in that with um uh what's his name albert brooks it's uh Aykroyd and albert brooks and uh i think that's the original story that landis wrote and it's not super good but it's it's fun it, okay. it's cool but yeah um yeah nice but that is a, a famous tragic thing that happened for sure yeah like when you Very when sad. you said you wanted to do uh an episode on cursed films i definitely like that was one of the first ones i thought of so it's yeah. cool joe that you you picked up and did that one because i ended up doing other ones anyway but i was like oh twilight's on the movie right yeah, that's a good one. I mean, oddly very, enough, I mean, I terrible. randomly uh, stumbled upon this movie via YouTube, just like one of those weird urban legend videos where they talk about that incident. And I just thought it was just mm-hmm. fucked up. Like even in 1982, oh, yeah. it's like you you would think there'd be like safety precautions and or whatever. And nope, nope. He used natural, you know, functional helicopter and i know i i mean i guess i guess it makes sense that you would need you need to sometimes film a helicopter you need to sometimes film a plane but it the part that's weird to me is that they had everybody on board for that like if you needed to do an establishing shot of the helicopter just flying um okay there needs to be a helicopter pilot um but why would you need three actors there too like because if you're inside the thing it doesn't need to be flying right right? you just need the interior set that looks like it's the inside of a helicopter yep so that's the part that i really just do not understand why did they need to be on board (sighs) anyway i don't get it like you do need to film it sure but the kids did not need to be inside so they did not it's very very strange like that, that should have been shot like after, right? And or then it still before, would have been tragic before they, that whole the, thing happened, right? And the, the the pilot could have died, and that would have been terrible too. But you didn't have two kids die, right? Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, I'll never know. It's just uh, hindsight's twenty twenty. Like ah, mm. could have done a real helicopter. Could have made it you know feel so much scarier. And yeah, oh shit, you know this is why we don't. This is why we don't do that. Right. Um. But yeah. All right. Well. Uh. Sweet. So. So this has been the first half of our episode about the cursed and urban legends of mm. cinema. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we are, we are very excited to get to our second half, but before we do, we have to take a short break. And while we do, we have something for you all to octoponder. Uh, so you all, all of you, every one of you, I want you to octoponder or at least think about, uh, which the is kind of legend. the same thing. It's yeah, kind of the I mean, same thing. I mean, octopondering requires more of you, 
but it requires can, if, tentacles. If, if something frightening happens to you, mm-hmm. think about it. You know, but if we while, ask you a question while you're Potter, while you're eating your shabibin, mm. <laughs> your shabibin sub deluxe, mm-hmm. uh, I want you to uh, name an urban legend of any classic or modern piece of cinema or television, and I can expand upon that definition as urban legend, something rumored, something talked about, something weird, something creepy, something unconfirmed, something bizarre. Just an urban legend, you know? Yeah. Like sometimes like, it's like the all, all the kids at school were talking about this, supposedly. Right. right. Like, in oh, this have movie. you heard about this thing? Yeah. Oh my god. If you you know, like if you play uh, Stairway to Heaven backwards, it's it's all about Satan. It says uh, Paul McCartney's yeah. dead. I don't know. It's something it's something with something. It says, I love you, sweet Satan. Um, but yeah, so uh, think about that, and uh, we will be right back after a short break. So stay tuned. Hey, what's going on? I'm Steven, and I'm Ron, and we're the hosts of the Super Retro Throwback Reviews Audio Podcast. If you like to hear the latest pop culture news with some smart-ass commentary as well as the latest movie reviews, then check us out. Also, we're a multi-award nominated podcast, so we're doing something right. God knows how that happened. So check us out on all major podcasts and distributors, and check out Super Retro Throwback Reviews on all social media platforms. Patsy, the angry nerd, lover of science and sharks. And I'm Ashes Von Nightmare, the real housewife of Transylvania and mistress of Merlot. And, and we're, we're the hosts, hosts of the Throwdown Thursday, Thursday podcast. podcast, part of the Somebodies and Grand Guignol Networks. Join us each and every Thursday as we break down all the characters you love and love to hate. That's right. We cover characters from movies, television, books, video games, and even real historical figures. Plus, we discuss science. And wine. Like, so much wine. Like, all the wine. We also pit random characters against each other in free-for-all contests voted on by you, the listener, and reveal the results the following week. Did I mention the wine? Like, there's a lot of wine. So join us on our journey through pop culture on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, and everywhere you listen to podcasts. And we will will see you you next Thursday. This is Larry Blamire, the director of Lost Skeleton of Cadavera, and you are listening to Retro Reductopus. Oh, yeah. Hey, are you ready to do some bacon? It's about that time where we ask you, the audience, to octo-ponder this. All right. Welcome back aboard, everyone. Before we took a break, I asked you to ponder and think of an urban legend that pertains to classic or modern cinema or television uh we have some choices we've we've pondered and then we will read the ponderings of our retroids off the facebook group which we like to do every single episode and if you are sad and sitting there with a frown on your face wishing darn diddly i wish i had participated (laughs) you can just go to facebook.com Slash There's group slash <laughs> go to facebook.com slash group slash five nine eight one three two four six seven two eight one seven eight eight. Or if that sounds too hard, just look up Retroidoctopus on Facebook, join our Facebook group, and uh, participate on our polls that we post the day of recording, which is every other Thursday. You you know what to do. Mm-hmm. You 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 have the assignment. But uh, if you've so, heard if you've heard what 8 bit said just now, <laughs> and you're going to the to find it 
and you, you answer. You have to know that we're not going to be able to change the past <laughs> recording to we include your new answer. Yeah, you, you have. To, I feel like that just needs to be said. Mm -hmm. You know, I I'm, I just want to make sure you guys know that. Exactly. You know, we exactly. we can do some incredible things here at Retro Adoptus, but we can't do that. We can't do that. Uh, so oh was... no no we can't do da -da, I can't do anything like that I can't do anything <laughs> like that so I'll I'll start it off with the uh, the first uh, thing that came to my mind when I was thinking about urban legends so I used to be a frequent flyer of the website snopes.com and yeah. I loved the snopes urban legends like cinema you know pop culture kind of thing um I I obsessively read those articles back in in middle school and uh and so there was one uh kind of tidbit an urban legend regarding the original printing of the wizard of oz movie and yes. there's there's you know one scene at the end of the you know follow the yellow brick road song and they're all tra la la and hippity dippity skip it off into the distance and uh and supposedly there is in the very far far back distance you right, can this see is the legend the legend, the legend according to legend the legend has it that in the way back way in the distance you can see a hanging body of one of the munchkins who apparently killed themselves on set and hid themselves so well that it was caught on film and uh and supposedly that it's it's just their body hanging from one of the trees in the distance and if you watch the clip uh you got to be careful because there are a number of intentionally like altered uh there's a couple of things at play here there's altered versions of that scene where people have tried to amplify the effect falsely there are edits of the movie where the the item in question back there is just entirely gone and then there are edits of the movie which are the original edit with the actual thing that caused this rumor uh so so this hanging munchkin in the background the the scene prior actually had a ton of animals all over the place and there were animals that they had you know gotten from a, a local zoo and all this other stuff in this scene where they are skipping away at the end of the yellow brick road song there is a very skinny large bird that is some type of crane that is standing in the background and you can't really see it unless you're super closely looking for it but towards the end of the shot it stretches its wing out and the wing that stretches out and then folds back in apparently just creates enough of a optical illusion enough of like a reflection of the light that people just weren't sure what the hell they were looking at right. and this whole whole you know urban legend kind of came about and it's wild because looking at the footage i'm like yeah that's definitely a bird sure. like 100 it's a bird but i honestly can't say i can i can view it unbiased you know it's like i i know both sides of the story and that's right definitely what's going on but it's still very creepy and very unsettling and as a kid reading that it blew my mind and i you know immediately wanted to find footage of it so i could see mm -hmm. it um so yeah that that has never left my mind that's always just been one yeah, of those this is, this is probably the first one i ever heard of when i was mm -hmm. little and yeah. uh, i remember uh hearing that it was supposedly a bird a very long time ago 
and watching the scene of the like copy that we had or something. And I remember again being like, Oh, that's obvious. That's obviously a crane. And it's just, it's just spread its wings and then folded them back. But it's kind of like what you were saying. It's kind of like, you know, when you can sing along to the song, when you, when, you know, you hear when you when it's playing you can you know the words as long as the song is playing it's like oh it's so obvious now at this moment but if you didn't have the song playing you didn't know it was a bird would you have been able to do that would you have been like oh yeah it's obviously this um yeah you know it, you can you can kind of see uh it looking like a swinging body um, yeah like a body bag if that's or something. what somebody said you're like oh is it right very subjective and then there are some edited footage that you can find on youtube of super zoomed in edits of this scene and it's definitely just a large black shape swinging left and right and that's just not the original footage yeah um, somebody it's just, just made that. it's just been edited to look authentic yeah. but anyway uh moving that's a right great along one. yeah thank you uh the so moving right along of all uh, urban legends left for oh yeah probably. yeah wicked and and, and yeah. such a such a cheery movie you know like that's what extra lended the creepiness to it is it's like wizard of oz what yeah you know right it wasn't yeah. like already a scary movie like oh you know like some of these or a lot of these are um but yeah right. anyway so uh so so parasite steve what do you got uh so i wanted to kind of dodge some of the obvious ones and i found yeah. this one um uh the movie James Bond movie Goldfinger, according to legend, actor Shirley Eaton, who famously appears in the movie uh, Dead at the end, uh, James Bond finds her and she's covered in gold from head to toe. <laughs> she's just, just totally, she's golded out. Um, the legend says that the actress died shortly after completing the scene as a result of skin suffocation caused by the paint. So there are technically two urban legends that were created from this. One being that that is a thing that can happen. Right. That if your body is covered from head to toe in like, metallic paint or whatever that your skin isn't able to breathe and that you will suffocate and that you will die that was Which is urban ridiculous legend. because people don't breathe through their fucking skin we're not geckos we're not lizards <laughs> right um so that's urban legend one that is not true <laughs> that cannot happen as as you just alluded to so the second was that you know the actress actually died from it so of course that is also completely bullshit because nobody could die from that um but you know these were this was uh in the 60s and you know it wasn't the day of the internet and you know news of her quote-unquote death spread freaking by word of mouth like wildfire uh and there was no easy way to look up the truth there was just it was just literally what people said that's all you had period there's nothing yeah. else there's no Word way of, of knowing yeah. and because the actress like you know plenty of bond girls you know not all of them but she didn't really go on to do a lot after that movie mm -hmm. so because she kind of fell off the the acting map she you know everybody's like oh yeah she she must be dead she's dead like you know, never seen her in anything else, you know, just so, so many people just assume that it was true, but nope, 
total bullshit. You can't die from that. And actress Shirley Eaton certainly didn't either. Good to know and good to hear because that would be uh, really awful and would seriously fuck up a lot of cosplayers. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, Nintendo, what about you? What do you yeah, got, sir? So, uh, <clears throat> I will go with a, an obvious one. Only because um, this one kind of affected me. And uh, only because I didn't think this could actually happen in movie sets. But turns out that happens more often than you think. And uh, that would have to be uh, Brandon Lee uh, from the movie uh, the, the Crow. Because that, that whole movie, you know, that's a classic movie. I mean, we've talked about it. We had a whole episode a few years ago on on the series. And uh, it was just so devastating. You know, he was only 28 years old. And he got shot on on set and, and died. And I just... And there was that whole stigma about it the, the, throughout the, 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 the movie. It's like they didn't know, like, oh, should we release this movie or not? But, no, thankfully, the, the Lee families, like, do it. I mean, Brandon Lee just, he loved this movie. Like, he loved playing Eric Draven. And uh, it's his favorite role that he's ever played in. And so, like, you gotta release this film. And, uh, yeah. And, uh, I've, at the time, I haven't never watched a Brandon, uh, Brandon Lee movie until after he died. So I remember Parasite. Steve and I watched um, Rapid Fire and Showdown in Little Tokyo uh, after watching The Crow. And I I honestly loved all all three movies that that he was in. I mean, he was in more than that, but those those three in particular. Like yeah, those are the very big ones. near and dear to my heart, and uh, yeah, I just it's really really tragic that you know such a you know such a young actor, a promising actor, just dying so soon. And I mean, you know, it's like when you when you watch the movie and you and you know the the scene where this this stunt happened, you know, it's like you don't really, you, you know, you like this this is such a known thing now yeah. but like at the time the movie came out like was this widely publicized yet yeah it was publicized way before the movie came out and it was yeah. like you know they they were like oh there's so many stories oh they weren't even sure if it was going to be finished and then it's like oh no we decided to finish it for brandon and you know all this yeah. stuff but what yeah. i will say is that at the time the details of exactly what happened were very foggy it ended up being like okay one there was a prop gun and the prop gun was loaded with a real bullet that's what a lot of people said at the time yeah and <clears throat> the actual story is that it was a it was a prop gun it was not loaded with a real bullet but it uh, it was it had been fired it had fired blanks in the past but what can sometimes rarely happen is that the blanks have cartridges too. And sometimes the cartridges can get lodged into a place in the gun that, that it's not supposed to be. And that is why you always have to just in general with any firearm, you know, you have to check the, check it out, like open it right. up, you know, check right. out the, Examine reach, it, make check sure out it's the, safe. the barrel and whatever. And every prop, master for every movie is supposed to do this with every prop gun period um 
And uh, this same exact thing happened just last year with that movie it was it was called like Red State or something. No, not Red State. It was a uh, Alec Baldwin movie. Alec Baldwin, the same thing. Yeah. Some somebody yes. somebody just died. Um, yeah, the same it was sort a, of way. A, a camera, a camera woman. Got yeah, hit. really crazy. It was yeah. supposed to not, you know, you know, it's not that it was loaded. It was an, ac- it was an accidental shooting. Right, exactly. So, yeah. but the, the the actor who actually pulled the trigger was never known when we were kids. They never said like who was the one who actually did it. It was actually uh, the Michael, uh, the actor Michael Massey. He uh, he passed away in uh, 2016, but he was um, he was the guy who played Fun Boy. Yeah, and it it's uh, I guess this scene when I I always thought it was the scene when all of the gangsters fire upon brandon and that like they the table right that's right. that's yeah. that's what i was told but it's i don't think it's that scene at all i think it's just when fun boy shoots him and it's definitely that character who's who's the one who does it um and okay. that screwed up i mean poor michael massey i'm like he's just he oh, was given he was given a given a prop gun and he was supposed to fire at the character, and he did. I mean, like you know, he killed he killed Brandon Lee. It's he, awful. Like, it's I mean, can awful. you imagine how awful he? I mean, so he never got over it. He said later in life, he said he, he could never watch the movie. He never once saw it. He said that he had nightmares his whole rest of his life. Um, he he never got over it. He never ever could deal with it. Um, he didn't do a lot of acting later, but he, he was in supernatural. He was in a few episodes of supernatural. He was, he was in some stuff. Um, but, uh, yeah, really uh, like my God, do I, uh, I mean, my heart goes out to Michael Massey as much as Brandon Lee, like right. so awful. That poor yeah. freaking guy was just on set doing a job. He, it was not his responsibility to check that gun it is that you have a prop master you have a firearms prop master that is supposed to say whether or not the the thing is safe to use you know i mean it's just absolutely insane so yeah um you know we didn't know any of that back in the 90s that's for sure i'll tell you right now like there were there were urban legends around this and you know we weren't really sure um but yeah pretty awful Yep, yeah. unforgettable, very, very tragic, um, you know, event. And uh, yeah, you know, ha- had to be mentioned somewhere in this episode for sure. Yeah. Uh, so we will uh, we will move on to the Octoponder answers from our retros, which you can no longer actively, you know, uh, submit to. Sorry, sorry. Uh, you know, you missed it. You, <laughs> you missed can, it. We're, 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 but yeah. we, we just won't be able to read it in <laughs> right. this episode right now. Exactly. Yes, there's That's 17 it. comments as of right now. If there are more, you know who you are. Wow. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I mean, some of them are us, right? Uh, but anyway, so we will start with Josh Neelis, who who mentions the ghost kid in Three Men and a Baby. Yes, uh, my favorite which one. is a fantastic, fantastic <laughs> one that I almost mentioned, but I couldn't not say Wizard of Oz. But yes, yeah, so there's one scene in Three Men and a Baby where you kind of pan into this bedroom and, you know, the uh, Ted Danson's there with the mom and you're looking and then uh, the, the scene kind of the, the mom picks up the baby and the scene kind of pans back as they leave the room. And there's just 
randomly a human standing behind the very sheer curtains of this one window that you could swear was not there two seconds ago. And I mean, it's only on screen for two seconds. It just, it, they walk right past mm-hmm. it and it's so goddamn creepy to, to see it right. in, in this context. It's like, wow, <laughs> yep. what the fuck is that? You know, it's yep. very, very weird. Um, and then the reality of it is, is that it was a cardboard cutout of Ted Danson in a suit with a top hat that was actually featured later in the film. Uh, and they yep. had just kind of parked it behind the curtains and accidentally left it in the shot. Uh, and, you know, it's funny because when you look at a freeze frame, it's very obviously Ted Danson in a top hat. But when you watch the scene in the movie, you're like, I don't know, so man, fast. that still looks like a child. This it looks, looks like, like a, a kid, fucking, yeah. it looks like a yeah. kid from the Omen or something. You know, yep. it's like that's that's Damien. Yeah, um, it doesn't even look like a top hat. It looks like his hair. It looks like it happens hair. so quick. You just don't yeah. even read it. Yeah, you don't get a chance to read it. Yeah, it just. Oh, my God. It's I, fantastic. Everybody I knew as like when growing up, everybody said this. Yeah, like this was the one. This mm-hmm. was the main one that this everybody is I knew the urban legend, talked man. about. It yeah. was like, oh my god, the ghost kid. Oh my god, the ghost kid in Dream Man. Maybe you know there's a ghost. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh people god, don't even ghost. talk about anything else about this goddamn movie. Like it is eclipsed it's to like, the relevancy of the movie. Just the ghost kid. <laughs> I know. Right. And it. And then like I love how the story just grew and grew, and it it turned into like, oh yeah, because the house that they filmed in. There, there was a boy who had committed suicide yes. and so like you know that's the that's the kid and it's like um it wasn't filmed in a house it was filmed in a fucking soundstage in toronto like, right it, it, it's like, literally, there, there's no house that was just the the freaking game of telephone it's just the yeah. story grew and grew and grew and it is because ted dancing his character was uh like a like a hammy like actor so yeah in the movie so he had like <laughs> shit Not from really. his movies all around the apartment and this yep. was just us he had a standee of himself and you know what it fits the character perfectly yep yeah he totally would, buy it he freaking would have a standee of himself mm-hmm. yes he would but yet when you see that the the other the other shot that it appears in the movie and it's in a slightly different spot, but it's near the window. And like to dance and is looking out the window and like, it is just so obvious that it's, it's him. I mean, it's, there's no question. Yep. It's a standee yeah. of himself in a suit and tie <laughs> with a top hat, but Oh yep. my God, that, yeah. that earlier shot, it used to be like, I would get, I would get so freaked out like watching this movie like getting ready for it for this part to yes. come up and then right. it would be there there it is and like it's funny like as an adult i watched that part so many times as an adult when i went back to watch this with um with dr mario when she was younger um did you get freaked out i i my stuff i like i tensed up like it was just it was just muscle memory <laughs> right i was right. like <laughs> it's just so funny that like i just was as a kid so convinced about this so so great and i mean really i think what 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 really gets me with it is that when they initially pan the camera past that window you cannot see the cutout because they did a clever cut of of like frame of scene blending and then as it pulls 
back and you see it's there that truly is the freakiness as well for me because i'm like no i just fucking saw that window there was no one there but it's just just the way that they kind of filmed it or whatever it's like okay (laughs) clever cut and oh my god there's a ghost child oh it's oh my god it's all over Uh, (laughs) this is the boy who died who committed suicide because that's where he used to live Oh, man, it's so good. Yeah. Oh man, totally. It's freaky as hell. Still, still one of the best. Uh, so then Frank Ramirez uh, mentions the Munchin hanging in Wizard of Oz. So awesome, mm-hmm. Frank. You and I, same wavelength. Jason Duncan says something about a flim-flamming huckleberry thing in the to- in Tombstone, uh, but I don't actually have have context for this. And and I, I tried to ask for some more information, but I don't know. I don't um, know anything about it. Well. I'm not positive if this is what he's talking about, but there is some question people have raised as to what that means when I'm your Huckleberry, um, when he says I'm your Huckleberry. And um, <clears throat> I know that there is a, uh, there are a few explanations that the like internet has come out and suggested for what it really means. And people have made memes saying like, it means this. And it's like, no, that's just a meme. You can't believe memes. Like, who knows, like, what it is. But um, supposedly, some people said that uh, Huckleberry, uh, that he's not even saying that, that he's saying Hucklebearer, which is a, a Huckle is a, uh, apparently a handle. I was just reading about this, like, last week randomly. Uh, Huckle is a, a handle on a casket or something. And so if to be a Hucklebearer meant pallbearer. So okay. these people purport that supposedly Val Kilmer's character, Doc Holliday, is saying, I'll be your pallbearer. Like, I'm I'll, your Hucklebearer. Yeah. yeah, I'll, you know, but uh, that's just flat out not true. Uh, like the, the script is available. The, the script does not right. say that. It says it's Huckleberry. Yeah. Um, there are some explanations that have been put forward as to what he meant and why he said that and um i don't know i'm not sure what okay. what the truth is but i think that's what jason's getting at there yeah okay that that definitely sounds right um phil conti says what about the extra in teen wolf who pulled out his genitals uh <laughs> so yes there is a there is a scene in teen wolf uh, where there is a shot of some kids at a rally a, a pep rally kind of you know sports game thing and uh they're on the bleachers and there's a person standing there with their fly unzipped and all you can see is like just the the crotch with <laughs> you know an open pant and you're like, oh, damn, is what is that? You know, and so I guess people just in the shitty uh, quality of the footage were, you know, thought someone had their weenie out. Uh, but actually, what's what's hilarious is that it's it's not not even possibly a weenie because uh, they they show later the extra in the same exact outfit, and it is clearly a woman who just happens to have her pants open it's kind of weird like i'm not really sure why she has her pants unbuttoned so i i actually found a quote on a different there's a different actor uh who is an extra talking about that she said when you're sitting on the hardwood bleachers for hours upon hours they the pants get uncomfortable and anyone having been in the movie business knows it's always a hurry up and get hurry up and wait sort of gig uh, I've seen, I had seen a few girl extras unzipping their pants in between takes that night and then zipping them up when we were about to shoot. I believe that was what happened. Her pants were uncomfortable. She unzipped them. It was about three to 4 a.m. 
that night. Uh, and, uh, we were all pretty tired. Some were even falling asleep between takes. So she was probably not quite awake and coherent, not realizing that they had yelled action. So <laughs> it just stood up and was like, allegedly. Oh, it's time to go. Yay. Oops. But it is yeah. definitely a lady. You can clearly yeah, see. It's yeah. pretty obvious. That definitely a lady. lady. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, I don't know. Pretty, pretty yeah, funny. So I'm, though. I'm, I'm looking at like, like pictures and like mm-hmm. you see like these pictures of a of an arrow pointing at the unzipped pants and says exposed penis like i don't see a penis i know right. what a penis looks like, <laughs> like you have look be, penises. behold that is not a penis it's just that's not one of them it's, it's not one of just, uh, it's impossible it's a woman that's yeah. just cotton panties they're yeah. different dems <laughs> just panties uh as they say uh, so yeah, Teen Wolf, uh, no, no genitalia. Uh, Adam Laterno <laughs> says, I am not certain of the exacts, but wasn't there a whole thing when Back to the Future 2 came out and people said that hoverboards were real, but they weren't going to be released to the public because of parents being concerned. Um, and, and that is a thing. That is yeah, a real, yeah. a real, I mean, a real rumor, you know, hoverboards right. weren't real, you know, I hate to break it to you, but yeah, um, you know, the, the legend was that it was a real hoverboard that they made for this movie and just that they, they couldn't release it or whatever. But it's it's not, you know, it, it's, it, it, it's, a, it's a special effect in that this whole legend was actually started by the director of Back to the Future, Robert Zemeckis, uh, you know, kind of kind of just to be his own viral marketing. Right. I mean, like, what's better than that? Like they didn't have Twitter. Right. So you had to just lie. And that, I mean, that, that works pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> it worked out really well. Yeah, I mean, people are still it's fucking the talking about it now. Marketing. No yeah. shit, Lies. right? God damn! I mean, like f- almost forty years strong. Buy my product. It's good. Buy my product. Take, it does the thing. Take my word for it. Right. Yeah. It'll uh, do the thing. What is it? What is it you're expecting it to do? Yeah, that. It. Yeah. Uh, so I. So we have also a submission from Chris Orkeys who mentions a movie that we are going to talk about very heavily later. Uh, and so I will. I will forego reading all of it just because I don't want to ruin the thunder of the second half. But uh, Chris Orkeys, thank you very much for that submission. We appreciate it. Uh, and then Brandon Mark Powers says that the Little Mermaid. <laughs> uh, which I don't even need to say anything else more. We were you you know, disappointed really by the lack of peen in peen werewolf, but we do have peen in the little mermaid because the original box art was supposedly recalled for some very risque spires in the castle of King Triton. Just the one, and, just one and, good one. And, 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 you know, lo, lo and behold, it does look yes. like a penis. Yeah. And not only does it look like a penis, it is a penis because Snopes, the website I mentioned earlier, uh, interviewed the artist who did the cover. And yeah, he told them that he was just working on this cover for really long hours. And he just kind of rushed through the background detail of the castle at about four in the morning and unintentionally drew a spire that, yeah, totally looked like a dick. I mean, he was kind of just like rummaging through it, you know, like not really trying super hard, but it's like, yeah, man, I don't know. Like you drew a whole ass dick. Like, how did you, how'd you mess that up? How'd, how'd you, how'd you oops a, that? I mean, it's a pretty, pretty decent size one too. It's even ribbed for her pleasure. I mean, right. Or it his is. Pleasure. Or, I don't know. or his. It's right. It's or King. his. 
I mean, so King what, Triton what you, and Ursula are both, you know, staring what, at the bottom of that castle. What reason. say you, Nintendo? Since you know, you know, peen so well. I mean, is would, would you say this is? Does this pass the peen test? Is it a peen? Oh, it's a peen. It's a, it's a oh, it's a ta- tower. That's for sure. Hmm. Tis peen. There you go. You heard it here first, folks. We have achieved peen. Peen formation. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so no, they. they, I, they I, you almost you almost got there. You you didn't say peen wolf. You said peen werewolf, and I just I just needed. It's killing me. It needed to be said peen wolf. I know, even I though it's not. I, I I did fuck it up. I did fuck but it up. But at the moment, I was is, sad that it flew out of my mouth and it, it needed was, to. I just I, I couldn't not yeah. fix that. I'm sorry. Peen wolf. Uh, I'm sorry. I hate there. hate to peen deny wolf. you the peen wolf. Uh, <laughs> there there it is for you folks. In case you were waiting for that other shoe to fall, there it is. Bang. <laughs> She is. was fallen. Uh, and yes, Little Mermaid cover was recalled and redrawn sans penis. So I don't know uh, what copy you own. Um, we, I believe, own the penis copy. But we also own the version of Transformers, the movie that says fuck or, or shit. 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 Yeah. They don't say fuck. Um, but yeah, so, you know, we're all about those those no-no versions of, of classics. Um, but great. So thank you, everyone. Uh, thank you for those answers. Thanks for participating. Much appreciated. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, you know, don't uh, don't miss out on the next time that you can participate, uh, which is not today. I'm just going to keep saying that. Uh, <laughs> it's not today. So it's not today. Today's next not time. Today. Uh, so yes, so we are going to continue right along to the second half, the second meaty, potatoy chunk of our uh, cursed, spooky, scary, not so delicious episode. Uh, we will be talking about our second picks, and I will I will start again because it just seems to be tradition. Uh, so again. I'm going to talk about again. I'm going to talk okay. about a movie that is uh, is not from the 70s, but it's close. This it's is like, our oldest uh, our oldest film. Yeah, it's the oldest of one the here. Episode. So, so, so the the film in question is Rosemary's Baby, mm-hmm. uh, of which did not really have a tagline. I looked through like thirty posters, and the only thing I could find was a poster that said "Pray for Rosemary's Baby." Um, so I don't know. Take it for what it's worth. Uh, but Rosemary's Baby is a 1968 psychological horror film written and directed by Roman Polanski. The movie is based on the novel of the same name by Ira Levin, released in 1967. The film stars Mia Farrow, John Cassavetes, Ruth Gordon, Sidney Blackmer, Maurice Evans, Ralph Bellamy, Patsy Kelly, Angela Dorian, and Charles Grodin in his film debut. The movie follows a young woman, Rosemary Woodhouse, who has recently moved to Manhattan with her husband, Guy. She and her husband become acquainted with their elderly neighbors, Minnie and Roman Castavet. They are both seemingly very friendly folks, but become increasingly intrusive to their lives when they learn that Rosemary is pregnant. They insist that she visits a special doctor friend of theirs, Dr. Saperstein, even though she has her own doctor that she likes much better. But no, no, you must see Dr. Saperstein to get the medical treatment that she needs. Rosemary Mary takes medicine that she that is prescribed to her by Saperstein and experiences severe pain and a lot of weight loss and just gets very very sick. Uh, basically, suspicions keep going that the neighbors are up to some you know no good and that they are part of a potentially satanic cult uh, determined to corrupt her unborn child. Uh, if you have not seen the movie of Rosemary's Baby, check it out. Uh, I'm not like a fan of the movie. It's it's worth watching, though. Um, mm-hmm. It's a class, class A example of gaslighting. 
which is not even the movie that Gaslighting is from, according to Steve. Um, apparently, that movie. Well, that would be Gaslight. the movie Gaslight. Gaslight. Uh, but yes, this movie is full of people going, "What? No, you're you're being silly. Come on, stop. We're not doing that. There's nothing wrong. Right. Nothing's amiss." And so the whole movie is kind of frustrating to watch uh, because you're like, "For fuck's sake, man! Rose Rosemary's just getting really just totally." screwed and it's not even like your guys are doing a good job she's super fucking suspicious you just mm-hmm. keep gaslighting her um but yeah so the movie has a bunch of subsequent unsettling and you know horrible events that continue throughout the movie and uh it didn't stop there either as in the omen misfortune and tragedy did plague some of those associated with the movie's creation as well uh ira levin the author of the original book had a very troubled life after the release of the film he faced a great deal of backlash from the catholic church for claims of blasphemy which is fair i mean the the whole concept is that you know these these people are trying to bring about uh, essentially the antichrist they're trying to bring about the spawn of satan through you know a woman's unborn child by corrupting it uh and and so you know the church no likey uh his wife even left him later i mean in the if, year. if the antichrist was portrayed as like a good guy and like hanging out with jesus maybe i could see it but it's like no this is bad we're on the same page guys right in this movie the antichrist is a bad thing right right i mean i guess you could say it's like it could be catholic propaganda like oh see how bad satan is but i don't know (laughs) right churchgoers were were not a fan they attacked ira levin uh i've never read the book i don't know how closely it follows the the movie follows it uh but ira's wife left him later in the year that the film was released in 1968 uh levin grew increasingly paranoid throughout the rest of his life and never could quite regain his former self or fame that he got from from this book um he had to make many public statements renouncing satanism because i think the church believed that he was in fact a satanist for writing this story but for having this idea for coming up with such a crazy you know horrific thing the catholic church was like hey man what the hell literally um but uh you know, they uh, he had to make all these public statements, and in an interview with Dick Cavett, he said that he became generally like- terrified as he grew older, like just lived in fear constantly. That you know, just like I, I don't even know, you know, just that anyone anywhere was going to say something to him, was going to persecute him, whatever. Um, which is so stupid it's like that is literally the same level of logic if you're like yeah no uh steven spielberg is a nazi mm-hmm. you know because he did those indiana jones films featuring and there nazis. were nazis in them. right right it's like they the, were the, the bad guys the yo bad guys right. like they're the bad guys you're rooting for rosemary you're not rooting for the cult it's not from right. their perspective it's rosemary's babies not satanic cults uh hopes and dreams um so you know it's just <laughs> which was actually the uh, original title which is the original uh, title satanic cults hopes and dreams <laughs> an unborn one. tale uh, <laughs> a happy story a happy tale uh so yes so uh the final note for ira 11 was that in 1997 he tried to write a sequel called son of rosemary but it failed miserably uh basically his career went to the pot after this came out um which was you know maybe potentially attributed to a curse of sorts uh producer william castle known for his work on many b horror movies was one of the first people to recognize the film potential of ira levin's novel 
1969, Castle was hospitalized due to severe kidney stones. Uh, that's two years after the book, one year after the movie. He lived under a lot of stress due to the sheer volume of hate mail that he had received over the movie's creation. Um, and he also said in his autobiography that he began to hallucinate scenes from the movie while in surgery for his kidney stones and was even quoted as shouting, Rosemary, for God's sake, drop that knife. Uh wow. Castle eventually recovered, but his career never did. Uh, pretty. Yeah, he pretty was creepy. he was more famous. Like he was really a famous director in the in the fifties, and um, he was a he was definitely like a visionary. Like he was always trying to market. That mm-hmm. was his thing. Like he would do like a lot of viral marketing campaigns before they were a thing. Um, <clears throat> and uh, that's interesting. I didn't. I didn't. I never knew about that connection with William Castle. This. yeah yeah pretty pretty wild we you know produced it and and you know saw the book and was like hey you know this should be this should be a movie mm-hmm. um producer robert evans rose to success after huge hits like rosemary's baby and the godfather but it was not all sunshine and roses for mr evans he claimed that the whole time it was not rosemary's uh the whole time he was on set he felt a distinctly eerie feeling and he was convicted later of cocaine trafficking in 1980 and received a suspended prison sentence uh three years later in 1983 evans was caught up in a high profile murder case of roy radden also known as the cotton club murder uh two witnesses testified that he was involved but he was later cleared of charges um i couldn't actually get any information on how exactly he was believed to have been tied to it um but two witnesses testified that he was involved that's that's kind of nuts uh and then later robert was cited as telling the new york times in a 1993 interview that he had 10 years of a horrific life kafka-esque there were nights where i cried myself to sleep Hmm. uh you know Frankly, just kind of sounds like he fell on some really weird, tough, so that was a, that bad was a life producer. decision times. Yes, that yeah. was a producer, one of the other producers. Um, now it starts to get uh, a little little crazy. Uh, so composer Christoph Komita fell off of a rocky ledge while partying and went into a coma uh during and around the the release of this movie bizarrely this exact same affliction is what the neighbors in the original book of rosemary's baby had done to rosemary's friend uh who she was confiding in throughout the story and had grown suspicious of them as well basically the only person that rosemary had gotten through to that might be able to help her reveal what the hell was going on uh so the composer Kamita had never left the coma and he eventually died later. Oh, uh, wow. Just, just kind of, you know, really tragic, really tragic, and this weird, you know, kind of connection to to an element of the story of the book with with its own kind of moral, which is, of course, don't get drunk and be an asshole on a rocky ledge. I mean, I don't know if he was an right. asshole. He might have tripped, but for sure, if there's a rocky ledge involved, you better believe I am not getting tipsy. I think there was some assholery going on. There could have been. I mean, his name is Kristoff. It's spelled K-R-Z-Y-S-Z-T-O-F. It kind of feels like an asshole. <laughs> he does. He does. But, um, yeah, that's that's, I don't uh, know. that's tragic. That's crazy. It's, it's tragic and, and uh, interesting. Uh, so the movie was filmed outside of, uh, or I'm sorry, the movie was filmed in a large hotel in, in New York called the Dakota. 
and famously, John Lennon was assassinated outside the Dakota in oh 1980. Uh, and it is believed that this curse of the movie had something to do with John Lennon's untimely of demise course. wandering too close to this very famous uh, hotel at the point of the eighties, you know, movie had been out for 12 years. Yeah, uh, see, I think some of these are like I was saying earlier, like some of them are a bit of a stretch mm, just mm-hmm. to find a connection, but Hey, right, it's the curse right. to create a mythos and to create mm-hmm. a buzz. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for sure. I, I, I totally feel that about this. Um, also, uh, this this part is is rough. Uh, so, director Roman Polanski's wife Sharon Tate, who is a known actress, uh, and actually tried out for the role of Rosemary, um, and was was really really liked, but ultimately the role went to Mia Farrow. Uh, Sharon Tate was brutally murdered a year after the movie's release by a deranged members of the cult of Charles Manson. What? Uh, yeah, and the worst even worse part of it all was that she was eight months pregnant and her unborn child was killed at the same time. You know, I, I do. Now that you say that, I do think I was thinking like, what is the negative connotation with Roman Polanski? So, so there's, there's more. So, so Roman, so Roman, so it's like at this point in the story, we, we feel bad, right? Like we feel so fucking horrible Mm -hmm. for, for Roman Polanski. Um, So, I mean, you know, having that happen, right obviously just would absolutely destroy anybody uh so roman polanski afterwards subjected himself to much substance abuse uh after the death of his wife and unborn son um in 1977 he was working as a guest editor for the french edition of vogue magazine and he uh was doing these photo shoots where he preyed upon a 13-year-old girl and was oh, convincing God. her to be the subject of multiple photo shoots. Uh, and during the second photo shoot with this, this minor, uh, which was at Jack Nicholson's house of all fucking places, okay. uh, he apparently incapacitated the girl and oh, sexually abused her multiple oh. times. Wow. Yeah, so see, uh, I knew there was negative connotation. Yeah, no, th- that's it's it's a very very horrible roller coaster. Of, oh Ooh, my god, that poor god. man, and then oh my god, what the fuck? Fuck that guy. Um, and then uh, so if it makes anyone feel any better, uh, he spent forty two days in jail and then fled, apparently escaping prison. I don't even fucking know. Uh, fled to France. Was where he, he a has bird lived. man? No, I don't. I don't know. I mean, there's this one time this Birdman. I don't know. One time this Birdman guy. Well, uh, he spent 42 days in jail, then fled to France, and then he lived the rest of his life as a fugitive, um, avoiding any country where he might be extradited back to the U.S. for persecution. Oh, right. Literally, uh, fucking, just like led the rest of his life on the lam for this you know this horrible thing that he did to this 13 year old girl shit what a fucking piece of shit right and i mean that i think is is part of what i remembered about rosemary's baby is i I was like roman polanski i'm like isn't he isn't he like a fucking awful person like (laughs) right you're like isn't there a negative connotation with like don't i don't (laughs) want to watch this movie isn't it kind of like watching jeepers creepers like aren't i kind of just like egg (laughs) you know it's uh, and i'm like oh what the fuck so uh yeah i mean certainly uh a a number of tenuous connections to the movie uh but you know some of them you know i mean 
they're they're all real they're all yeah, sort of kind of connected to sure. it there's a lot there it's a long long list yeah. so it's a big uh, baby the, it's a big baby the curse of rosemary's baby is uh you know live, lives on in in our collective subconscious um so hey i don't know could be real probably isn't uh it's kind of a kind of an okay movie i guess uh check it check it out i guess i don't know pretty milk just don't expect to see the baby that's the thing yeah just don't expect you'll get to the end and you'll see a hand and and that's it that's all you're getting um which at least confirms it confirms that it's a demon hand but i mean for fuck's sake the carrot was was in front of our face the entire movie and then and then you just threw the carrot away yeah but you know i this is one of those like artistic choices that i think was correct it's what it's not what i wanted but when you realize that there's no baby puppet that have been that would have been satisfying you realize yeah. no the, the little hand with the claws is, is it's the best it's thing. good but i think they could have done something i don't know special effects weren't that weren't that primitive yet but, but anyway. yeah it's it's such a it's such a long slow burn and there's just yeah. not much at the there's end there's not there, much so. yeah. yeah uh all right all right, so let's let's move things right along. We're gonna change it up a little bit. We're gonna flip it around. Uh, we're gonna have we're gonna have Tommy Two Picks the second go next. That's Nintendo oh for all of you, uh, and and he will use he Nintendo will, to his frowns. To his frowns, wow. he will say the movie that was that was mentioned by Chris Orkies in the That's comment true. section. That's so uh, so take it away, Joseph. Yeah, so my pick is a uh, Cannibal Holocaust, which came out in 1980. Um, I've never actually seen uh, this film, but I've heard yeah, stuff neither. about it, and uh, so I figured, you know, this would be a good, would be a good pick. You know? Yeah, right now, right? Yeah. And uh, yeah, so th- this movie is basically like a, it's um, this is like a like a found footage type of thing, kind of like it reminds me of uh, the Blair Witch Project. They find this. Was it Blair Witch Project? Yeah. They, they find. Yeah. They find. Yeah, like a, it's like all hand cam, like yeah, uh, home yeah, recorded. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's something along those lines, and uh, it stars Robert Robert Kerman as Harold Monroe, an anthropologist from New York University who leads a rescue team into the Amazon rainforest to locate a crew of filmmakers, played by. Carl Gabriel York, Francesca Cardi, Perry Perkins, Perkins, something, definitely something, and and Luca Barbarish, Barbarish, good, solid, so yeah, so that basically this none of the movies just knows people looking for you know these crew members and whatnot and uh apparently there was uh uh it's very very graphic very gory and uh lots of uh animal cruelty that actually happened Mm. and uh that's that's pretty disturbing and that in itself makes me not want to watch this movie yeah um so after the movie came out, I believe the uh, the director or whoever uh, got charged with uh, animal cruelty or something like that. Um, yeah, I would I would imagine. You know, it's yeah. like actually murdered animals on film. Definitely right. bad. Which you know happened uh, a lot more back then. 
I mean, there weren't the restrictions that there are today, um, you know, especially with animals like, you know, rats and things that weren't like, oh, nobody cares about them, chickens, you know. And even even going back to like old Westerns, like the horses would get hurt. They would, they would just, they didn't give a shit, like, you know, whatever. Um, yeah. But, you know, it sucks, you know, I, I definitely don't like watching it, that's for sure. Yeah, that, right. that, I would never watch it because of that that reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, this is, this I have, I have that, like a whole uh, bunch of stuff like written down. But I was like, no, I mean, this, this is kind of the, the gist of it. So I yeah. kind of like summarized the whole thing, basically. Okay. Yeah, this and, is a movie uh, that um, that uh, Derek Rook, who is listening right now, like not believing that you chose Cannibal Holocaust, uh, has talked <laughs> to me about plenty of times. This is this is a movie that he watched when he was younger and stuff. And he's, he's told me all about this and he was one of the first people that said, you know, about the animal stuff. And he, he's like, yeah, that's, that's, that's the thing that kind of keeps me going back. Like when I was, a, when, when I was a kid, maybe it didn't bother me as much, but now I just can't do it. Um, yeah. 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 But no, there, yeah, there was, even as a kid, so what's the stuff I know there's like, there was a lot of rumors that like the actual human, gore was real and a lot of people yes. said like there's a lot of lot of like actual like there was real death in there and you know right but but none of that's true i think i think that's right. all yeah yeah uh, according to this uh this, this little article it says the gore was so intense and realistic that a few days after the movie's premiere italian authorities confiscated the film director uh Roguro the yeah, I can't pronounce the last names. Like, Ruggiero Diodato. Yeah, yeah, Diodato, and uh, was charged with obscenity, and he was eventually slapped with a murder charge when it was suggested that the movie was in fact a snuff film. Although it was later proven that none of the actors were killed or harmed, the film does depict scenes of intense animal cruelty that were in fact real. So right. That is nuts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, because it's the, like, where the, do they draw the line? You know, it's like, oh yeah, shit, so I are guess the people the, also like, getting murdered. I guess what what they're uh, they're referring to is uh, uh, that these these crew members were killed and eaten by by cannibals, and I, I don't know. I, even that in itself just sounds too far fetched for me. But the animal cruelty thing, yeah, yeah. I, mm-hmm. you know. Um, because I know there's like a big scene where somebody gets like impaled on a big wooden stake and it comes out like goes through their ass and comes out their mouth. And uh, I know there's a scene where like somebody gets their, you know, some guy gets his his uh, bait and tackle chopped off with a machete. Uh, and like there's some like really like that's the point of the movie is to just be as shocking as possible with the gore. And it's just it 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 is not the type of thing that I really would seek out. It's not like my brand of uh, what I like for horror, um, but it, uh, so I've just never seen this, but yeah. it is certainly infamous, but it's interesting. Like all of those things, like people literally thought were real, which is kind of fucking impressive, right? Like, mm-hmm. okay. I mean, the, the animal stuff does really suck for sure. But I mean, you know, they, they whipped out all the stops with these like gags, figuring out ways to kill people that had never been seen before. And that would be shocking. And 
they were so successful at it, people thought it was real. Like, yeah, when this came out, right. 19, what, what was it, 1980? Yep. Yeah. Like, it's not like it was in the 30s. Like, people had seen right. a lot of stuff by 1980. We got through the 70s. There was plenty of gore in the 70s. Yeah. And, like, 1980 comes around, this movie comes out, and people are like, oh, my God, you're, we're, we're arresting you for this. Right. Yeah, it's pretty fucking nuts, you know? I mean, that's, like, really impressive special effects work. Uh, but, yeah, you know, you still shouldn't have killed any animals. That's bad. Right, yeah, there's no, no excuse for that at all. Yeah, yeah. not at all. Uh, yeah, there's... All right, yeah. I mean, that, yeah, that's there's... a movie I'm pretty much never going to see, you know? I just, yeah. yeah. I'm good. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a movie. Um, it's called. It's from the. I think it's from the 80s. I think the early 80s. It's called Food for the Gods, and um, you know, it was a movie that I I watched the first half and like fell asleep. It has Marjo Gortner in it from uh, Star Crash, and uh, it, it's like it was fun. I liked it a lot. I'm like, oh, I got to watch the rest of that movie. It's got like a giant rooster, really big cock. You'd love it, Joe. Um, <laughs> And, and I, I, so I, so I watched the second half, right. And the second half is like all them killing giant rats. And, um, they're like, you know, just camera trickery used to make regular rats look big. And you can just tell that when the humans are shooting them, that the, you can tell the way that the animals are reacting, that they were probably getting shot by BBs. And, um, it's just super gross. Like I just, I just can't even. Like even it's it's just rats, but it's like yeah, but this is just a movie. This is just a stupid movie. Like you didn't need to do this. Like, right. um, and it also feels like the laziest possible way to do it. You're like you you hurt these actual animals and probably killed some just because you couldn't figure out any other way of doing it to make it look right. Like you suck. You don't deserve right. my patronage. Right. So it was it was a bummer because like the first half I was like yay food for the gods. Second half, I'm like, yeah, fuck this movie. I'm I'm never gonna watch this again. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Pretty much. Pretty much. But um, yeah. <clears> so moving right along to uh, Parasite <laughs> Steve. All uh, right. So our your final, final pick choice here. Yes. All right. So for our final pick of the evening, I um, I'm happy to end on a a true classic. Um, I, uh, actually just watched this movie. It's the first time I've seen it in probably 10 years at least, um, for this episode, but it is the exorcist 1973 cast, uh, stars Ellen burn Ellen Burstein, or maybe it's Burstyn. I don't know. Burstyn seems wrong. Like you wouldn't say Burstyn. I'm Burstyn, Burstyn makes me feel good. Burstyn, yeah, Burstyn. Burstyn. Or I, so you see, I'm thinking Burstyn with fruity flavor or something. I don't. I don't know. She sounds like gum when you when you say it like that. Ellen uh, also <laughs> with fruity flavor. Uh, so much raspberry flavor, you'll, you'll want to call it razzle dazzle berry. No. Uh, uh, also, Max von Sydow, uh, Lee J. Cobb, Kitty Wynn. Jack McGowan in his final film role, uh, Jason Miller, and of course Linda Blair as the possessed young girl Reagan, or Regan, I think her they pronounce it. Um, so I think everybody knows this movie, but basic description of the plot is the um, there's a 
actress, famous actress lady who is a recently become a single mom with her daughter and they have a great relationship and they spend a decent amount of time showing you that Linda Blair is a really nice girl, normal, happy, young 12 year old girl. Uh, definitely not a psychotic puke machine, um, potty mouth puke machine. Uh, and uh, and then uh, something happens, and the the sort of like beginning of it, they kind of scuttle, but it seems that she has found a a Ouija board, and has been talking to somebody named Captain Howdy. Um, and it starts out very innocent, and it starts to get weird, and then it's really crazy she starts to act like a person that her mom does not recognize and she becomes very vulgar and very violent and uh you know they have to hire a catholic priest to come in and exercise the demons um jazzercise anyway, that is uh they they don't jazzercise but they should have tried that i mean exhaust all the possibilities you know i mean she was at the end of her rope that mom but anyway uh yeah no this is a great movie uh very even by today's standards it's very shocking because there are scenes that are like i cannot fucking believe that they had a 12 year old girl do this now there are some scenes where she did have a stunt double, mm-hmm. um, but she did a lot of it. And a lot of like the lines, like she's saying those words and they're yeah. terrible. They're like really terrible. Like your mother sucks cocks in hell. And uh, you know, I mean, there's so many other lines like that. I think that's the one yeah. everybody knows, but um, that are just really, really like so over the line. And this is 1973. It's like, holy crap. Um, but anyway, um so let's let's dig into the weird shit that happened um let's talk first the first thing that um i think honestly is kind of the the weirdest personally there was a really bad so this 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 production was plagued with various delays it was just delayed 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 the worst of all was there was a really bad fire and uh the crazy thing was the entire set caught on fire in 1972 um and almost all of it burned to the ground the only section that did not burn down to nothing was the bedroom set which is you know where most of the movie actually takes place yeah um totally totally weird uh caused a six-week delay in production and afterwards whether or not it was a joke supposedly this really happened they actually hired a real jesuit priest thomas m king to come in and bless the set just in case jesus and how did the freak fire start it's the craziest thing supposedly a pigeon flew on set and flew full force into like some electrical circuit like breaker box that was on one of the walls and okay. exploded into fire. And that's how it started. Like a fucking pigeon literally just kamikaze into this thing. Jesus. Wow. So that, that to me is just like, 
if you're gonna say like oh yeah there's demons involved like there's 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 supernatural stuff it's like you know why why the hell what why the hell did that bird do that like come on i know they're stupid but like that is so specific right <laughs> right uh so anyway wow. that was the fire um there were also <clears throat> a couple of really severe back injuries that happened um the actress who played the mom ellen burst let we'll just call her burston 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 um, burston burston makes you feel good <laughs> um that sounds like i'm being disrespectful to miss burston ellen you're, um, you're wonderful yes she's wonderful she she also played the uh the old lady who tragically dies of speed and requiem for a dream which is uh a, t- a terribly depressing movie um that was much later um so she so ellen she plays uh she plays the mum, uh, chris mcneil so she suffered a severe <clears throat> sorry I, that was not a joke that was not a laugh that was a cough i'm trying i'm trying so hard to not cough you guys it, it's it's not even funny you're doing so good um, um <laughs> it was such a bad spot it really sounded like i was laughing it's not funny he she suffered a severe spinal injury while being hoisted around on a harness uh, there's a scene where she's thrown across the room by her possessed daughter. And this was executed through the use of a harness and like cables and stuff. In this particular take, the harness jerked her so violently and uh, she fell hard right on her coccyx. Um, she was, um, she was forced to, she was hurt so bad that she was on crutches for the rest of the production. Um, she wow. recalled the incident later and spoke of director William Friedkin. She said, quote, Billy said, well, it has to look real. I said, I know it has to look real, but I'm telling you I could get hurt. Um, she said that the director made a signal and the cameraman, quote, smashed me on the floor after she was complaining. She'd already complained. And then they proceeded to do that. She said she was screaming at the top of her lungs. Uh, and through my screams, I said, turn the fucking camera off. Wow. Uh, Mrs. Friedkin, Mr. Friedkin rejected Ellen's. Uh, oh, yeah. So he's a director. He rejected Ellen's claims and said, oh, I'm sure she was hurt by the fall. You fall on your backside. It's going to hurt. But she wasn't injured. <laughs> so he was <laughs> he just completely. That, that, yeah, like, completely just, like, did, yeah. No, no, no. Like, talk about gaslighting. It's like, no, no, no. You know, it's fine. It's fine. I'm going to keep hurting you uh that's, you're not actually getting hurt that's ridiculous right completely insane just so shit. then linda blair who was 12 um she also claimed that there was um she talked about the same thing so there was poor rigging and it contributed to her own issues later in life she developed scoliosis um she said that the moment she fractured her lower spine was actually the footage that's in the movie she says uh, she was crying, crying and screaming, and they think I'm acting up a storm, but it fractured my lower spine. I wow. So wow. I'm not positive, but I, th- my guess is the moment. See, this is like the crow. Like I know the thing happened, but I'm not sure exactly where. But I think when it happens is there's a, a very shocking scene where they show her and she's just writhing in bed and she's like just kind of shaking really violently forward and back 
in a way that you can tell that the human body would not be able to do that to itself. So there must have been like something else involved, like some sort of a cable system or harness or whatever that was jerking her around. I, my guess is it happened then it's kind of early in her possession. Um, so it's like before she gets all zombie faced and, um, she's just uh it's one of the first times you really see something like very like violent basically she's just shaking but she's shaking so violently that it truly looks like she's gonna get hurt i mean it, it it's it's really it's really a violent shake so yeah apparently she had um scoliosis problems after this movie because she lowered her uh she she fractured her lower spine Wow. Um, God damn. Because she didn't really fly around. That's the thing. Like the mom got thrown, but she didn't really fly around. She was just kind of strapped to bed. Uh, she did float in one scene at the very, very end, but she just floats. Um, and then like it's there's no like violence or you know fastness to it. She just slowly floats up. Um, so I really I bet it's I bet anything it's that scene where she's like, you know, shaking violently in bed. Um, yeah, it is a full body shake. Um, wow. there were some tragic deaths involved. Some of these, I admit, are, are you know a little tangential, but let's let's just mention them all. Uh, so Jack McGowan, who played the eccentric film director Burke Dennings, he's barely in this movie, he's in like two scenes and he gets killed off screen. And I really just think it's so bizarre that they even have him killed the way that he does the way that it the story unfolds it's just very weird that it happens off screen but anyway ahead of the film's release he uh he actually died from complications related to influenza which he caught during the london flu epidemic in 1973 so uh r.i.p jack McGowan. wow um yeah he was a very convincing drunk i will say that uh, this lady, her, her name, I, I really, I, I'm probably going to butcher it. Uh, Vasiliki is what it looks like to me. Vis, 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 Vasiliki Vis, Maliaros. Maliaros. Uh, she played, uh, the, the primary main priest is, uh, Father, um, Damien Karras, who, uh, uh, by the way, he, he like the actor is is the father of uh, Jason Patrick from the Lost Boys. I only recently learned this. Kind of hmm. weird, um, rando, rando thing. Um, so the lady who played the character's mom, uh, she passes away from natural causes um, that same year. She uh, she she passed away. This was like her her first um, and only film appearance, I think. Um, but her character died after being admitted into a hospital and later haunted the dreams of, of father Karras. It was basically like the, the demon who's possessing um, Reagan uh, who's Pazuzu, but I don't even think they say that name in the theatrical, but the um, yeah, it, it keeps taking on the voice of the mom to like torment him. Somehow it can either have access to that ghost or is just reading his mind. Um, but yeah, so she just died of natural causes. So that's like one of those things. It's like, well, is this, is this really part of the curse? Right. She was kind of an old lady who died of natural causes, but 
it's like lumped in with everything yeah um seven other crew members um within the cast uh and crew just just people involved in production would die prior to the release of the film and many of the cast and crew including linda blair um lost family members during the same time period so again eh, a little bit tangential a little bit you know yeah uh probably not Really, I, I don't know if I'd count all that, but you know, seven other cast members uh, or members of the production team did die, um, right when the movie was coming out. So that is kind of a lot. Um, uh, lastly, Paul Battison, who plays a nurse in the film, I actually it must have been a small part, um, but she was kind of in and out of some. <clears throat> hospitals and certain scenes she was getting like a various tests and she was getting like a spinal tap and um and so i'm not really sure exactly like what nurse and what scene but this this guy paul battison uh actually killed a reporter in real life before the release of the movie um jesus christ he, he confessed to the killing but he said he couldn't give the police a motive for what caused him to do it. He didn't know why I did it. What? That's very, fucking that's weird. Very weird. Um, so just some some last like little bullets here. Um, in general, uh, it has been admitted that it's likely that members of the cast and crew played up various creepy incidents during the making of the film to generate interest in the movie. And I think you could probably say that of most of the movies that we've mentioned tonight. Um, it's, you know, no, no press is bad press sort of a thing, especially when it's a creepy movie. Uh, yep. Obviously when deaths are concerned and serious injuries are concerned, that is not what we're talking about, but there are some, some stuff that you could say, you know, okay, well that's uh, you're stretching. You're just playing it up. These are a few things that definitely feel in that, in that category where it's like were any of these real did any of these really happen but but people talked about it and these are like the urban legends during uh during a screening in rome it was reported that a bolt of lightning struck a church opposite the cinema in america oh. one woman quote passed out and broke her jaw then later sued warner brothers for an undisclosed sum hmm. In some theaters, people were uh, offered sick bags with their ticket. And in the UK, see that right there, William Castle would have done that. That is the kind of thing that William Castle would have done. He would have offered you a sick bag with your ticket. Because, and it puts it in your head. You're like, oh my God, this is so gross. You're right. Gonna this, I'm going to puke for sure. They mm -hmm. know it. That is the type right. of thing he would, he would have done. Yeah. Um, in the UK, it was reported that St. John's ambulance staff attended screenings to help distress cinema goers. Oh my God. <laughs> Jeez. Wow. Like the, we have, and, and folks, don't worry if you're too distressed by tonight's motion picture. We do have members of St. John's ambulance staff on standby. So funny. Um, claims about the exorcist curse continued, and according to. Um, Miss Crowther, I don't know who that is. 
uh, it was used as a marketing tool for the film. So a lot of people just kept going and kept purporting weird things happening during screenings and, you know, that kind of that kind of stuff, just because it really, you know, it was it was working. It was getting people to go see it. It was freaky. It was weird. And it added to the whole like mythos, as you said, 8-bit. Um, so it's interesting. That's that's pretty much all I got for The Exorcist 1973. Definitely uh, a classic of horror cinema that I I recommend. It is it is like many of the ones we're we're talking about tonight. It is a slow burn. Um, I do think that it has more payoff throughout. Uh, it takes maybe half the movie to really start really paying off because so much of it is just like getting you to like the main characters mm -hmm. but um you know it, it has it has some really seriously shocking scenes that when they when they hit they hit hard even today even mm -hmm. just watching this movie again it's like god damn like shit like, yeah damn. the movie's really uh it's it's aged incredibly it's it really has some of the most shocking stuff ever you know on film and it's not just like gore right like it's just like it's it's truly a, a a horror movie you know and not many movies really give you that sense of horror where you are honestly watching it like you know kind of unsettled like like you know not feeling like okay you know where's the next scare where's the next thing like this is a horrible freaking scenario and the way that they yeah. do all the makeup and all the effects and linda blair's performance and everything as such a young kid and then all the different effects that they do for her to be this possessed kid it's like wow mm -hmm. man this is an yeah. insanely well, impressive feat and it's i crazy yeah movie. and i I think what's what's worth mentioning is it like not uh, if you think if you think of like types of scares right types of horror types of you know uh, yeah. you know Stephen King's talked about this like you know different projects don't always go for more than one type like you know uh, many yeah. modern horror films you could say oh it it just all comes down to the jump scares like how many people have said that like it's not Me. a scary movie but there's it's right. all the, it's all just jump scares yeah like so that's the type of horror that that thing went for whatever but the exorcist goes for various it goes for true horror which is the idea that oh my god could you imagine if your child was actually possessed by this demon and you know how scary that concept is and watching your child you know devolve into this this other creature this terrible thing that's that's truly horrifying like for many people um there's also uh just shock you have uh like oh my god i was not expecting her to stab herself in the private parts with a freaking crucifix and right. then she rubs her mom's face in it say eat me eat me eat me and then her mom comes away covered in blood i mean that right. is shocking today yeah. as shocking today as it was in 1973 i'm sorry today's today's horror landscape has not dumbed that down that is no unbelievably shocking yeah yeah um, yeah we are not jaded you know enough uh, right. for that to not still hit right and then there's also uh another totally different type which is the gross out the movie's really gross like it it has a lot of puking there's a lot of pea soup in this movie that gets puked up in people's faces and uh it's real gross <laughs> that's its own thing that you know so that that could be its own you know plenty of movies like they don't do real horror but they do gross like oh it's just gross the whole time um so i mean i think that uh that that really needs deserves it deserves credit you know 
it does a lot of different things really really well and uh and it also has my my favorite part which is just the hidden frames of pazuzu lurking within it's just so barely there just just a f flashes of the uh the demon's actual face that you mm -hmm. know some people don't even see you know some people watch it they don't even see it and yep. um it's it's really uh of course you got to go back and pause it now you can just look up on google images of course but um it it is it is it is scary like it is a scary face for sure yeah yeah it is nice all right uh well done parasite uh excellent nice. one to round this off with truly truly an amazing film with uh, a fair bit of, of cursedness to it so Ooh. who knew uh, god if the movie wasn't scary enough there's more <laughs> more surrounding it really uh we don't need that god damn uh all right well um that has been our episode on curses and urban legends of cinema yes so thank you so much for sticking around and checking out this episode with us uh we are we are going to be wrapping up this episode shortly but before we catch that horizon before we say goodbye we have one more thing for you so let's go to this and now it's time to dive at the edge of the map with another edition of dive monster the video game bestiary of annoying enemies that really need to just fuck off what Hey everybody, Parasite on the mic one more time, as if you're not uh, already sick of listening to me jibba-jab. I, uh, I have for you this, this fine day, as you, as you heard in the intro, and I have for you a die monster. Um, and, uh, you know, I haven't done one of these in a while, and this is apropos of nothing. It has nothing to do with curse, curses, <laughs> has nothing to do with cinemas, it has everything to do with hurting. Um, so recently, uh, and I do feel like we should do a crow's nest on this series at some point. Yeah. Um, I was, I was playing some, some Sega Genesis. So, uh, you know, if, uh, Aldo, if you're listening, you know, this, this segment's for you, buddy. Um, I was playing the Sega Gen and, um, I was like, you know, I never actually played through the, uh, Rocket rocket night adventures games the sparkster games and there are just the two on the genesis there's a third one for super nintendo but um so i i played through the first one and i've always i've always enjoyed it but i never i just never played through it so i played through the first one rocket night adventures and i just adored every second of it it was so good and i beat that and then i'm like all right well now it's time to play sparkster and so sparkster was a different experience uh i i found it to be very frustrating and uh it did a lot of uh it undid a lot of what i loved in the first game it's weird it's a weird experience of like the graphics are better the control is better uh the character is so fun to be he's just one of the most fun video game characters to control i just love the way his rocket pack work pack works all this stuff so i'm gonna since this is a die monster i'm going to pick one monster to complain about and and in this case it is a boss character this is going to i'm gonna i'm gonna today bitch about <laughs> the third <laughs> boss in the game who is this this little green genie motherfucker and i hate this <laughs> bastard he's a son of a bitch i just hate this motherfucker so much he just pissed me off he he pissed me off more i hate him I so much flames 
on the sides of my face. <laughs> I, I can't even tell you like how much this guy pissed me off. Okay, so let me paint the picture. So this is a this is a boss that has four different forms. Okay. You can only actually hurt him in one of said four forms. So you have to wait and dodge and wait and wait and wait and wait. And finally, you can maybe actually hurt him. But the extra frustrating thing is that he doesn't always cycle into that fourth form. So it's just the most maddening shit ever. And so he comes out and he's like, let's call it the, the like form one. And he's just kind of like a normal size, like a little bit bigger than you. Um, green genie guy. He's got the, he's got the hammer pants, you know, the kind. And, uh, and what he does them. is he, you can't touch them. So what you do is what he does is he throws, he shoots out a big skull, like magic spell. Okay. It has like a skull in the front, big skull in the front. And uh, if it hits you, you turn into a small sparkster, a little guy who can't attack. And I swear to God, it's like it's like 45 seconds of just not being able to do anything. You can you can run around, but you can't attack. You can't do anything. You can't rock it. You can't do anything, whatever. So then after he shoots the spell a couple of times and the spells homing, by the way. Um, so hopefully you've dodged that. Then he turns into form two, which is a bigger genie. And he shoots three of the skull spells. So, A, I'm already annoyed because this is just boring. Like, you've literally just already done this. You're just doing a, a, a bigger, worse version of the thing you just did. So I just had to dodge, like a single skull spell at a time twice. And now he shoots three at one time that are homing and then three more. So you have to dodge all of these because if you get hit one, you're not going to be able to hit him this cycle at all. You're done. You got to, it, it takes too long. It. You wasted it. It takes too long for you to get back to normal size. So then the third form is the big genie breaks up into a bunch of, tiny teeny tiny little genies and they run around now it looks like this is when you'd be able to hurt them it looks like you should be able to rocket through those things and kill all the little genies or something but no they are just invincible worse they don't hurt you either they're just pointless they're just time wasters just, that's just making all, you frustrated that's all the third form is it's just waste time now sometimes not every time I have to stress this one of those little guys will be shining and that guy you can kill. And when you kill that guy, if you kill that guy, because if you don't, he just goes back to the first form and then wash, rinse, repeat. But if you kill, but if, if first, if, if number one, if there is a shining guy and you kill him, then he will enter into his fourth form, which is a slightly different looking form one, kind of the same sort of shape and size, but he's just a little bit different looking. And uh, he just runs around the screen a couple of times and you can hurt him. I could generally hurt him about three times. Um, and then it's wash, rinse, repeat back to form one. 
then form two, and then form three. Maybe one of them will shine so you can hit him. And it just over and over and over again. And it just keeps like you keep end up dying because it's so difficult to dodge so many of those stupid skull spells that you're invariably getting turned small, like over and over and over again. And, you know, if you don't, if you don't kill the one, if the shiny guy doesn't show up or if you miss him, or if you can't hit him during that time, you're just through the cycle again. And it is the most like grueling, not fun boss experience I have ever had. Like I cannot believe how much the stupid boss in Sparkster Rocket Knight Adventures 2 pissed me off. He pissed, he pissed me off so bad. So stage three boss, he sucks. Die monster, you don't belong in this world. Fuck you. I hate genies now. <laughs> God damn. You know, and I, I just watched a long play of this of this game to, to you know be able to see the boss in action after you described it. And a long play. Someone playing the game perfectly knows their shit can do it no effing problem. It took them three full minutes of actually fighting this boss. Now, that doesn't sound like a lot, but when you think about how long it takes you to like do a boss fight in most games, like Contra or Mario or Mega Man or something like that, it takes you maybe a minute total to do the whole thing. Three minutes of the best, like most practiced person at this. Right. They had to do it for three fucking minutes. That's really damn long to not be getting hit and not be messing up at waiting. all. There's You're just even waiting. If, yeah. E like theoretically you could, you could play this guy perfectly, but if he doesn't give you the chance to hit like a shiny version of one of the little wait. ones, it'll, wait. it'll just, because that seemed random like sometimes it would happen every time sometimes it would miss one sometimes it would miss two and let me tell you if you think it's annoying that he didn't do it once imagine how bad you're how pissed off you are when that second time in a row and that little shiny guy doesn't show up again it's like are you fucking kidding me i'm just gonna be here my job is to just be here all day like what right what is this how freaking annoying is that so such a oh. such a bummer I, I i i did end up getting pretty far in this uh i think there are six levels and i'm i'm in level five uh i had saved it um but i i gotta say like i didn't have to i i use some save and load with the first one but mo more often than not i was like saving at the beginning of the level and and just kind of you know not using my guys kind of but I was sort of playing it pretty legitimately other than that, other than getting infinite tries sort of thing. But with this, I was just scumming it up. I was just saving like every two seconds because so much of the game makes you play long parts over. It feels like the way I think about Dark Souls. It feels like, oh my God, like, I like you put an instant one-hit kill thing like that far into the level that I didn't know about that I don't know how to get past and it's probably going to take me three or four tries to learn what to do. But every time I die, I have to go back and do all this every right. time. Like that just, it's just, it's just not fun. It's not. And the first game much, yeah. didn't have anything like that. It was all like very quick, short, very interesting levels. Nothing had a chance to get repetitive and annoying. Um, 
it's it's a kind of a bummer but i i would love to talk about this in a crow's nest later someday but uh yeah. when we get a chance to play like all three of them um, absolutely and i know there was uh, a sequel for ps2 right there was like uh, Rocking no, the Adventures P- 3? PS3 just had a remake called Sparks. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, never, I never played that. Um, it, it wasn't it wasn't great. It was just very like there. You know, it's yeah. like uh, okay. Well, this is a I, thing I love this character. I really do. He definitely my favorite, like of the Sonic clones by far, like, you know, when all the companies, every company in the world basically tried to make their own cool, hip, yeah. edgy, attitude laden Sonic wannabe. And um, I mean, I would say I like Sparkster better than Sonic. It's just that he doesn't yeah. have enough good games, but right. controlling him, he is just pure joy to control. Even in this game, mm-hmm. even in this game, the way he bounces off walls and i mean he's just so interesting he's he's a possum he's a knight and he's a he's like a steampunk knight who has a rocket back i mean it's all just very interesting he's great yeah right yep he's fun i I really really like him yeah yep really fun character really you know cool series uh bullshit bosses in the sequel (laughs) bullshit bosses and sparkster (laughs) for the genesis Uh, there were were other bullshit bosses too but this guy oh god he took the cake for me yeah, we'll have to do a, a crow's nest on him or, or, or something at some point. And, and call it bullshit video. bosses. Bullshit bosses. <laughs> Sprocket night. Bullshit bosses. Um all right, yeah. awesome. Nice Good dude. Stuff. Thanks. Thanks yeah. for the uh thanks for the segment. Oh no, there. we gotta call it playing possum. Oh. Oh, yes. I'll I'll I will play dead, playing possum. Uh Cool. All right. Nice. So, uh, everybody, thank you so much. Uh, does anyone have anything they want to promote before we jet? Uh, probably should mention uh, one more time. Monster Expo Returns is coming up October 15th and 16th. Um, it is in Taunton, Massachusetts. Uh, I will Twat. be there. I will be there with Derek Rook of Rough House Publishing. And we will officially be starting the pre-order for my new book black honey and other unsavory things we will actually uh the the official pre-orders don't go live until i believe the 27th but uh we're going to be doing a special pre-order deal that if you come see us at monster expo uh you'll be able to pre-order it a little bit early with the incentive of you're going to get a free poster that no one will ever be able to get ever after it's going to be uh, if you so if you've seen the cover of the book which was released uh last week on my feed on uh, on rough house publishing's feed on derek rook's feed if you follow any of us on any of the socials it's been plastered everywhere incredible art by derek and um it's it's uh it's it's really been uh it's really been awesome to see how how excited people are like about the artwork and stuff too. So, uh, yeah, we're gonna have a uh, we're gonna have posters of that, and the only way you will ever be able to get that version of that poster is by coming to see us on the fifteenth and sixteenth at Monster Expo Returns and pre-ordering Black Honey. And uh, we hope we hope you uh, we we hope you do. We hope to see you out there and uh, you come get some some free posters, some free high fives, and uh, hang out with us. It's uh, it's going to be a really good time. Um, yeah. So that's all I have to say cool. about that. 
Awesome. excited. Yes. Very, very cool. Nintendo, what about you? you? Got anything to prom? Um, nothing. Uh, nothing productive. But uh, I just want to, you know, just mention that I'm finally going to be an uncle. So. Uh, oh, you're right. Very exciting. Very exciting. Um. Yeah. Yeah. So last time we checked, my brother's wife was well. Now she's six. Uh, I'm sorry, eight weeks. Um. And we're guessing the due date is end of May, beginning of June. Okay. So fingers crossed that mm. you know everything works out well. Yeah. <laughs> Super awesome. Yeah. So, so great. I mean, that's it. Your parents must be so happy. You should have seen my mom. <laughs> yeah. She's like, yes! Kind of like, vindication! <laughs> <laughs> vindication awesome nice. i wish i had yeah it's oh. been waiting a long time for that so for sure yeah yeah well that's great yeah congratulations to uh your brother e-tank 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 yes. he's never been on the show but one day maybe maybe he wants to talk we've about been, uh dragon ball z final <laughs> fantasy could have him on for an ff show uh nice Awesome. Yeah, well, very exciting. Very happy for you guys. Can't we yes. wait to meet very the little cool. tyke. Um, and uh, yeah, I, Apid Alchemy, will just promote uh, my music. I have a channel on YouTube. I have a channel on SoundCloud. And I have a album released on Bandcamp that has been 10 years in the making of my uh, my fan, fan soundtrack to a not real Mega Man game. That's right. Um, I know a lot of you are out there clamoring for that. I know I really play. I, 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 I go for the bleachers, you know, with my releases. Uh, yes. Yeah, so I like to make eight bit music in the style of the NES. I have a release out on Bandcamp, as I said, go check that out. Uh, and I am also working on my second full length album uh, of half originals and half covers. I have gotten three songs done out of the 10 that I intend to do. Uh, and yeah, I'm just going to keep plugging away. I love doing commissioned work. If you don't have enough money, but want me to do a song too. Uh, honestly, I don't care. I just have so much fun doing it. I'll do it for free. But you know, if you do have money, support your local artists. I would, I would happily work on a commission for any of you, but I just like doing it. It's just fun. It's just my hobby. It's just what I'm into. So, uh, yeah, check me out. Ape and Alchemy and all the places. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so that right there, folks, wraps up the episode. If you have not jumped ship by now, goddamn, I'm surprised. Thank you. We certainly hope that you enjoyed everything that we talked about in this week's journey over the treacherous waters of all the things that made growing up creepy. If you like what you heard, please hit that little subscribe button and like us on Facebook and Twitter. As part of the Anibiart Podcast Network, Retrodoctobus is also a full-time member of the Dorkening Podcast Network. If you get the chance, please check out our sister shows like Then Is Now, The Scream Sisters, What Is That Noise?, Black and White Fright, and The Horror Squad. See what I did? I didn't read a single one off of the bold list. That's crazy. No one ever does that. It's crazy. You guys say we don't promote the weird shows, the extra shows, the other shows? Not today, baby. Do people say that? I don't know. Do people say that to you? I maybe I'm just covering my bases. I'm just okay. saying, hey, okay. if you if you were out there saying right. that, I'm out here saying, hey, not today. Right. Not today. Okay. What do we say? What do we say to the naysayers? Should we say not today? Naysay. Uh, so for more information or to subscribe to us or any of these great shows, please visit the dorkening 
Coffee.com. And be sure to check out our killer sponsors, Deadly Grounds Coffee, coffee to die for. I've been your host, 8-Bit Alchemy, and I will catch you next time.